on today's skies falling podcast uh it's just me cody uh and uh in our in a few guests today um no tommy uh and 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 no sean but um yeah so we got a lot to talk about still and uh we got my good friend greg braggs from braggs in the stands he uh big uh big bears fan big chicago sports fan in general but uh he's well known in bears twitter um he was at the preseason game on saturday where justin fields absolutely showed out and uh we talk all about training camp and justin fields and just all the good vibes right now in bears camp um Josh is going to join me in a little bit to talk White Sox, especially this whole thing with Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell and the state of the team right now. Um, and yeah, uh, that's the bulk of our show. I'm going to talk a little bit here about the Cubs and their 11 game losing streak. Uh, yikes. And uh, Bulls, pre, uh, the, not the Bulls preseason, the Bulls summer league. Uh is is uh it's been fun to watch so i'm going to touch a little bit on that and then we got in the show segment that i will uh, do as well so as always sky's flying podcast brought to you by ontapsportsnet.com head on over get your chicago sports needs you can follow me on twitter at cody on tap you can follow tommy at official underscore t long uh which it's weird i don't remember the last time i just did a full regular show by myself i can am i allowed to Name this episode 101. I don't know. I'm going to, but uh, this might be the first like technical episode without the full crew here, but whatever. Um, like I said, we're brought to you by ontapsportsnet.com. And uh, we're also brought to you by Bet River Sportsbook. You go sign up uh, down in Rosemont, uh, get your first deposit match up to 250 bucks. That's free money to bet with. So head over there. Sign up and uh, get your first month's rent on us. So, uh, yeah, you can follow the podcast as well on Twitter at Skies Falling Pod and on Instagram at The Skies Falling Pod. So, lots of good stuff, fellas. Um, I would say the next part where Tommy says, uh, let's start the damn show, um, but he's not here. So, I'll just say it. Let's start the goddamn show. You're listening to The Sky is Falling, a Chicago sports podcast brought to you by ontapsportsnet.com. Cody, Tommy, and Sean talk Bulls, Cubs, Blackhawks, Bears, Illinois College Sports, and even the damn White Sox. Plus, these guys are all degenerate gamblers, and they know how to have a good time. So crack them, kids, because The Sky is Falling podcast starts now. Welcome into the Skies Falling Podcast, episode 101, triple digits for the second straight week. Um, still weird, no jersey numbers anymore. But uh, anyway, episode 101. I'm Cody. Follow me on Twitter at Cody on Tab. Like I said, um, a freaking uh, interesting week in Chicago. Uh, the weather was absolutely brutal, brutal, but the weekend has been very, very nice though. Um, I'm currently sitting in my apartment right now. I'm looking out the window and uh, my neighbors that are behind us are doing a cookout right now. I'm like kind of people watching and recording at the same time. It's kind of weird, whatever. Um, No windows are open, so they can't hear me. So don't think I'm just some creep staring at some people outside my window. (laughs) 
but uh, it's, it was a good weekend for that. If you're out grilling, uh, enjoying the outdoor weather or whatever, this was the weekend to do it because it is absolutely beautiful. Me and Cassidy went for like a 15-mile bike ride. Didn't try to do a 15 miles, but we just went on the lakefront, just rode all the way down to Navy Pier almost uh, and basically turned around, came back, stopped at some taco stand, had some tacos, good stuff. Um, if, you're, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I've only lived in the city for not even a month yet. Hasn't even been a month yet. So still taking in like all the new home vibe type stuff. Uh, nothing's old. Nothing's new. Did go buy some new video games today because the fucking Chicago Cubs are just breaking my heart and I'm so fucking tired of watching them. So I'm going to put all my energy that I put into the Cubs into video games. Well, I'm still going to watch the Cubs, but uh, maybe I'll have the Cubs game on while also playing video games moving forward because it's just been a very tough time. Uh, and I'm, that's where I'm going to transition right now. Uh, we're going to have uh, Josh on here in a second to talk some socks, but I did want to talk about the Cubs a little bit. Um, the Cubs have lost 11 games in a row. They have lost, they have won four games since I moved to Chicago. So since July 24th, I want to say they have won four games, four games. It's just very bad. Um, and after the trade deadline, we knew it was going to be bad. We, like the Cubs are selling. They, they don't have any pieces on their team right now that you're not, that you're for sure going to be part of the future. You could say Rafael Ortega. He's one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now, uh, at least since the all-star break hitting like three thirty. Uh Frank Schwindel has kind of made a name for himself. Um, hit a homer today, actually Patrick wisdom. I mean, he's in the NL rookie of the year chase. Um, heavy strikeout rate but when he does make contact he he can do some damage um you know other than that you know justin Steele made his first career start this past week i was trying to go to the game with the guys from some guys from my day job that included tommy and uh it ended up being a rain out the night before so they moved the justin Steele start to the 120 game on i think it was tuesday or wednesday and uh so i missed it but I'm hoping to get to one of his starts uh, whenever the Cubs back, come back to Wrigley. They're about to set, start a series with the Reds here coming up this week. Got swept by the Marlins this week. Like, it's that bad, folks. It is that bad. I don't know if the Cubs will win 65 games. They have 52 wins right now, I believe. I don't even know if they'll make it to 65. Like, that is awful. Um, I didn't see it coming. I won't lie. Um, but is what it is right now. You know, a lot of people on Cubs Twitter are like, this team's worse than 2012. And I'm like, yeah, suppose I, I suppose, but you know, this team also doesn't have Nick Madrigal who came back in the Craig Kimbrell trade right now. Cause he's out for the rest of the year because of injury. Nico Horner's on the IL. Albert Alzale just got put on the IL, you know, uh, Wilson Contreras just got put on the IL. It's just very dark times right now. Um, but I do think that the future is still bright. There's things to look forward to. Alexander Canario's kind of made a name for himself in the Cubs system the last week. Hit like three or four bombs in a row in four consecutive days. Three or four consecutive days, something like that. Um, I think his name's Alexander Vizcaino, also making a name for himself down there in South Bend. Um, Ryan Jensen, uh, Cubs minor league pitcher of the month in July, has pitched well. And uh, in South Bend as well. 
uh, and uh, he had a nice start going the other night. I don't know what he ended up going. I think he went at least five innings, five or six innings. But he's heavy strikeout guy. He's someone that I have my eye on. I think we could see him as early as next year sometime. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Pitcher's development in the minor leagues is always different compared to other pitchers. But I think the Cubs are going to likely see him towards the end of next year, I think. We'll see. Um, but I, I just want to come on here. Like My main point for the Cubs is, yes, things are bad right now. The Cubs are purposely trying to lose games. It is quite literally that. They have been in games the last week, and then they freaking find a way to lose. Um, that's what happens when you trade away your leadership and your experienced guys and just basically the bulk of your core that, you know, bring W's. Um, it's hard to even blame David Ross. You give David Ross this roster and you expect him to win? No, he's not going to do that. I don't think anyone's expecting him to do that, but I have seen some tweets like that. And I'm like, why does it matter? Why does it matter? They're trying to lose. Like, what? why does it matter? So, um, you know, the Cubs, it's just going to be tough the rest of the year. You know, I understand people not wanting to go. Um, but when you can get tickets for 15 bucks, a pop, shit, it's $15 beers right now. <laughs> You're paying, I paid for, I paid for two, four tickets the other last week. I paid 15 bucks per ticket. It was the cheapest ticket I've bought in a while. It sucks, but this is what happens. But I, you know, I could go in depth a lot why I think things are going to change next year. I think the Cubs are going to be major players in free agency and maybe find a way to get a trade that could benefit their team. Maybe we see a guy like Brennan Davis come up next year early on. Um, maybe we see other guys as well, people that no one's talking about. Going into this season, no one was talking about Keegan Thompson. No one was talking about Justin Steele. And then they made a name for themselves out of nowhere. So I, I feel like we could see a lot more of that next year. Um you know, Keegan Thompson right now tonight, I know he's starting for the Iowa Cubs. He's going to be probably gets going to get a couple starts here towards the end of the year uh, with the major league team. So that's something to look forward to. Justin Steele is going to start tomorrow um, against the Reds, which will be interesting. So, yeah, right now things suck. It absolutely fucking sucks. Um, but, um, you know, I if you're a Cubs fan out there and you just – you and you – you wholeheartedly believe that this rebuild is going to take like four or five years. Like you haven't been paying attention. You haven't been paying attention at all. And honestly, kind of, kind of smells like bandwagon to me. If you ask me, it really does. It really smells like bandwagon to me. So um, I'll just leave it at that. But I do think the future is bright. There are some guys, maybe Frank Schwindel could be a death piece on the, off the bench next year. Maybe Rafael Ortega is your bridge piece uh, center field starter next year, and that leads to Brennan Davis being your starting center fielder, and you can move out Ortega to a corner outfield spot. Maybe Patrick Wisdom's your starting third baseman. I don't know. And then maybe, you know, if all that happens, then maybe the Cubs go and re-sign Anthony Rizzo. Maybe. Like, why not? Why not? We find out what Anthony Rizzo is going to go on the free agent market this offseason. He's going to see what teams are going to offer him. He's playing really well for the Yankees. I know this week he didn't play because he's on the COVID list. And I'm not going to get all into that because we all knew he was unvaccinated. That was a whole thing like a month and a half ago. Whatever. He seems to be fine, though. Mild symptoms. Whatever. But you can see how that can affect the team. Of course, the Yankees just took two or three from the White Sox. So... You know, maybe they don't need him as much. I don't know. I, I don't know. All I'm saying is you can go and get a guy like Anthony Rizzo in free agency, and that can 
that can make some fans a lot happier. I think Anthony Rizzo should has the best chance of be coming back to the Cubs. I'm holding out some hope. Maybe Chris Bryant can as well. But Javi Baez, he's on the IL, and he's been hitting like 170 with the with the Mets. He had a game where he struck out five times and five at bats last week. I can't say I was surprised, folks. I can't say I was surprised. Love Javi. Did a lot for the Cubs in his best years, no doubt. But I've said for months that he was the third, the odd man out that I did want back. He was always going to be the cheapest. But this guy is, this is the same guy who thinks he deserves $200 million contract. That's big yikes, brother. He should have taken that $180 million contract extension the Cubs tried to give him like two years ago. He should have. He really screwed himself. But, again, he's on the I.L. I don't wish injury on people, but I am just saying that he is on the I.L. He's not playing well for the Mets. The guy that got back, got back Pete Crow Armstrong. Going to be in the minors for a while, but perhaps, perhaps, the Cubs have won this trade because right now the Mets Mets fans probably are like, I don't even want this guy back next year. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe the Cubs can uh, get him in free, get Javi back in free agency for like another bridge year or whatever, maybe one or two year deal on a, I don't know, just a 10, anywhere between a 10 to $12 million deal. I don't know. Personally, it wouldn't make any sense considering you got Madrigal and, and Horner about now, maybe you could put buys over a third. I don't know. This, this, these are all different scenarios. I, I don't know. But Baez isn't raising his stock, that's for sure. And I don't think anyone's going to pay him $200 million. No one's going to pay him $180 million. Maybe he can get a $100 million contract, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll, it'll be interesting to see how he plays when he gets off the IL. And like I said, he, was play, he hasn't been playing well with the Mets outside of the one home run he hit on like the first day he was a Met. Anyway, um, I got nothing else Cubs related except for there's just a lot of pain right now. But I'm telling you guys, brighter days are ahead. So with that said, where it's already bright is very bright on the on the south side right now. Um, I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring Josh here in a second. Um, I'm just going to say we did record the show or record the interview before. Um, before the the end of today's game between the Yankees and the, and the White Sox. So just keep that in mind. Um, but we get into a lot of sock stuff for the next uh, couple um, couple minutes. I think it was about a 45-minute conversation. So let's get into it. Okay, we are joined now by our good friend Josh. You can follow him on Twitter, at OnTapJosh. And we are hoping that his internet fucking survives this week. <laughs> it has been two consecutive weeks of really bad internet. Uh, we got 20 minutes out of them last week, though. Uh, that That's progress. Josh, <laughs> how's it going, man? How you doing? I'll t- good I'm good, you. man. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Um, we all go through through slumps, and uh, my Wi-Fi is going through a bit of a cold streak. Um, mm-hmm. I think today, you know, I, I had a long meeting with it, uh, sat down, went over film and stuff, and I think we should be we should be okay. Went over you know, film. <laughs> reset, <laughs> reset the mind a little bit, and... Uh, I think the Wi-Fi is ready to go. Hell yeah. I like it, man. Well, p- pending any any issues, I want to jump right into it because I just feel like I haven't got enough White Sox out of you the last two weeks. And clearly a ton of stuff has happened for the White Sox. Yeah. And clearly I think the first thing we got to talk about is Tim fucking Anderson. 
going opposite field homer on Friday night at the Field of Dreams game. Everyone called it a movie. Everyone called it like every everything perfect. It was good for baseball. It was good for him. He's becoming a face of baseball. All this stuff. And as a Cubs fan, I have to agree with you. All the Sox fans listening that wish I didn't agree with that, just for the sure, because they, I feel like those people just love to hate the Cubs more than they like the White Sox. That's yep. not that's not a way to slander them. I'm just speaking facts because, again, I am a Cubs fan. I just don't really genuinely give two fucks if the White Sox are good or not. But mm-hmm. from a pure baseball fan, from a as a pure baseball fan, everything that everyone's saying about Tim Anderson and that game on Friday night was incredible. So I got to, I got, what, what, what were you, what would what, you do that night? Like, did you stay up where you, you just listened to the, to the, the Lynn Casper's call a billion fucking times? Like, <laughs> I, like, I, like to me, I, I, and I keep talking and not letting you talk, but like, to me, that, that hit reminded me of 2015, Chris Bryant walk off two run Homer against the Rockies. They were also down a run in the very last inning is one of the most iconic, uh, homers hit by by chris bryant in his cubs tenure the cubs had just got no hit by the phillies the day before or like the during that week and were kind of looked like they were starting to fall apart even though they didn't have expectations in 15 but anyway he hit that homer and then the cubs went on to win like 20 of their next 30 games or something everyone knows when 97 98 games whatever go the postseason but obviously the white Sox are really good already i do you think that this that game is something that's going to be part of the the World Series video one day? Um, well, let me let me start with how I even felt about the game because I, I think we need to start there, and and I, and I won't I won't uh, repeat everything that people have said, um, you know, on social media and stuff, and and through like Fox Sports and everything like that. They're talking about how iconic the the beginning of the game was, and they did all these extra things to make it super special. Um, yeah. It was if you just talk about the baseball game itself, that was hands down the greatest baseball game I've ever watched. <laughs> the greatest, I, I, even including postseason, man. No, no, it, it was, it was because okay. like, I know you have like the Oh five when Canerco hit that walk off. And then, you know, some of the, some of the big hits that Creedy had or the Scott Pedsednik walk off Homer and, and he never homered in the postseason. Are, or in the regular are we talking ever. greatest White Sox game ever? Or are we talking greatest baseball game ever? ever let me put it to you this way i think (laughs) i i think i say greatest baseball game ever that i've ever watched because i think i'm at a point in my life where even a couple years ago i didn't necessarily appreciate the game as Mm -hmm. like for what it is um and and the field of dreams again i was able to to sit back and dissect everything like i was like okay you know there's we're getting home runs we're getting good pitching we're getting good pitching in, in certain spots, I should say. Um, you know, we're getting good plays. We're getting just the overall experience of being in Dyersville, Iowa. Like when you say <laughs> Dyersville, Iowa, you're not supposed to have like, yeah, nine, eight baseball game. You're supposed to have like, nobody's really doing anything. It's pretty boring, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this too. When, when Giancarlo Stanton hit that home run off of Liam Hendricks, I was fully expecting to go to bed angry. I was fully expecting <laughs> to to just to just uh, yeah. just go nuts. Just go just rant throw a rant on Twitter, a nine tweet rant on Twitter and and just lose my mind. Yeah. And 
out of all people, Sebi Zavala keeps this game going with a with an yeah. he battles back 0-2, and then he draws that walk. And then even I'll be honest, even when Tim Anderson was announced to come up, I'm like, I don't know. Like it just this just seems one of those things where like he's gonna line out hard and the game's gonna be over. Mm-hmm. And brother, when he hit that walk off home run, I I don't get chills in the regular season. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. It was literally unbelievable. And I you was, didn't think it was gonna happen. I yeah. I, I had zero faith that yeah. he's gonna hit that wall and that and that is why i compare it to that chris bryant two run two one two run walk off against the rockies because it, no one thought it was gonna happen the cubs were in a free fall at that point after playing way above expectations that year in this situation the white Sox have kind of been struggling outside of sweeping the triple quadruple a cubs <laughs> you know yeah. and you go into this big series against the Yankees and they led the entire game, give up four runs in the top of the ninth inning. And you're just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, that's literally because you haven't because <laughs> you haven't played well against the Yankees this season. And the Yankees are what's to say? They should be better than what they are, but they are starting to play better since the trade deadline. Yep. Thanks to the Cubs. I'm not going to get into that, but, uh, you know, like, like that's that. I feel like that game is the great example of why baseball is the greatest sport, like one of the greatest sports, and it's, it's the a perfect example to show someone why baseball is awesome, why it's why you should watch it. Like the MLB should be taking highlights from this game and just throwing it out there for everyone to see. And when you when you were like, did you watch? Like, did did you just sit there and listen to Casper's call all night? So I I did. I made it a point actually to watch um or i'm sorry to to listen to the espn 1000 broadcast instead of watching the fox broadcast and the only reason why i did that was because i wanted specifically i tweeted i tweeted about this before the game started i specifically wanted len casper to paint the picture because i knew that if i watched if if i was watching the the fox sports broadcast Joe Buck would have been like, there's corn everywhere and uh, batter's eyes <laughs> cool and uh, it just looks great. And I, I'd be like, okay, I'm missing a lot of what's actually going on. And uh, Len Casper did an unbelievable job. Him and him and DJ um, made that game unbelievable. But I, I went on Twitter and um, I was looking for all these highlights because you know everybody's throwing them all over the place. And I'm not kidding. I, somebody can can actually figure this out, I'm sure. That Tim Anderson walk-off homer highlight had a million views within like the first twenty minutes. Yeah, like it yeah. was exactly what baseball needed, and it was, um, it was just, dude, it was just unbelievable. Like eight thousand people make making that much noise. Yeah, and and like it's just it's wild. It's so wild, and I'm I'm I don't do this very often, but I'm going to applaud the MLB and everything that they did for that game, and I do think. Uh, that they should do it. I don't necessarily know, man, if they should do it every year because I think if they do it every year, it's kind of gonna it's gonna lose its magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, they definitely need to do things like this. Um, to, to this is this is where we disagree. I think they should do it every year, just one game for a series every year, because it's kind of like how they did the little league World Series game or whatever. Oh, the little league um, games. Yeah, I I don't know if they're still doing that this year. Maybe they're not because of pandemic related stuff. I'm not sure, but I know 
it was very like it was a good way to get the kids yeah. uh, involved in um you know in, in previous series and you know they're trying to attract the younger generations i i like i like that uh, again i don't know obviously they didn't do it last year and i don't know if they're doing it this season but they should bring it back next year and then also can and, and continue to do the field of dreams game because I just think having a random game at a neutral site's fun. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Well, and the, and, I and, think... and whether you like the movie, like I'm I like Field of Dreams. It's probably one of my top ten favorite sports movies as far as baseball movies. Uh mm. probably in the top five. And a lot of people like what's crazy is during that time, like during the game, people were talking about, you know, whether Field of Dreams is a good movie or not. Do I think it's like an actually real like well done film? No, because it's made in the 80s or whatever. And like we're in 2021. Things are a lot different now. And obviously, you know, picture and all that's so much better. Yeah. But as as, as 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 far as like the game of baseball, though, like describing the game of baseball, that movie like kind of represents like why people love the game. And uh, I don't know. I just think that it's something they should do. And and like I said, I, I really do enjoy just like two teams getting together in the middle of fucking Iowa, surrounded by fucking cornfields in God's country and just slinging the ball around, man. It, Sounds like fun to me. <laughs> it's very possible that I'm uh, I hold a, a bias perspective on that because that game was so good um you're not gonna get a better one <laughs> i mean to be honest with you i really don't think you're gonna get a better one like no, i don't of, think you will either i, I don't <laughs> but I, I i do agree like i'm not gonna sit here and say that anybody's wrong for wanting to go back and do one every year i i, I that's what they're going to do um mm -hmm. i just i think there's a little bit of bias in my head that that i'm, I'm like eh, i don't know you're not gonna really top it but um i know that a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of fans from from other places are are going to you know, flock to, to get those tickets and stuff. It's good for baseball. So, I mean, in that way, you should definitely do it. Um, but the thing about the, this White Sox team, and I, I tweeted this last night when they tried to make another comeback against the Yankees, when a Bray, after a Bray, you hit that two strike, two out homer in the ninth to tie it. Um, this team, just, I know like it was, it was sort of a, a motto when Ricky Renteria was the manager, like these, you know, Ricky's boys don't quit. Right. But this team literally does not quit. Like mm -hmm. they can be down 50 runs in the ninth and they're still going to act like they could win. And mm -hmm. that's, I don't know if you can, if, if you can credit that to just like the way the players are, how hungry they are, you know, how, how, you know, they know that they're a good baseball team or if that has a little bit to do with Tony La Russa in like, like we got we got a businessman manager like he's he's yeah. he's about baseball and he knows everything that he's seen he knows that these games are never over i mean right. that that game last night um I, I think it was uh i think it was the ground ball that anderson hit to wade like if he bobbles that we probably tie that game because the run everybody's running there's two outs yeah so like it's just this White Sox team, dude, whether they win it all this year, whether they lose in the ALDS, whatever happens, they're setting the groundwork. They're setting the framework yeah. for the next five, six, seven, eight years. Right. Um, You're saying so many things that just kind of remind me of watching the Cubs in 16. Like that team had a plenty of comeback games against really good teams and moments that like, you're just like, this team has it. This team 
is going to finally do it despite all the fucking people who were like the Cubs are the Cubs and they'll always be the Cubs, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I went on like a two-year troll fest, whatever. Um, and I, I'm with you. I, there, you know, I remember like a month or two ago, man, you were like, you know, just make the playoffs and then anything can happen, whatever. I don't want to put like this, like is world series or bust, but mm-hmm. after what they did with, to bolster the bullpen and getting Cesar Hernandez, like to me, it it really is World Series or bust. And the only like I, it sucks if it doesn't happen. If you're a fan of that, if you're a White Sox fan, because not only are you disappointed, but you're also just going to get slandered out the ass by everyone who who was against them or whatever. And and you're just kind of like, well, baseball's fucking weird, man. You don't like, you just gotta, you just gotta have everything right has to go for you. All this bullshit, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm completely with you. Like, I'm completely with you on that, or anyone who says that. But like, if we're not saying World Series or bust, we're saying ALCS to Game Seven or bust type. Yeah, type I mean, thing. I think I think when you uh when when you know when you make the additions of of, of Tapera and Kimbrel and Hernandez like mm-hmm. you're 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 sort of telling your fans and your team like hey listen like we're serious about this thing and mm-hmm. you know we're doing everything we can to try and win a world series. The thing that I hope that White Sox fans take from from these moves though and the way this team is playing is I think we have to remember that these these players that you know like Eloy, Luis, and and those guys, they played three career playoff games. Yeah, three. They played three career playoff games in an empty state. Well, I think the families were there. I don't I don't quite remember, but regardless, mm-hmm. very very low capacity playoff game, um, all day games. Let's mm-hmm. remember that. Um, and. I just think that there's extreme value and not only the way this team is playing, but if they, when they make the playoffs, I mean, this division's over, but <laughs> when, when they make the playoffs, there's, there's extreme value in just being in the playoffs. Like I know that there's going to be disappointment if they lose in the first round or if they go to the ALCS and get swept or just something like that. But the amount of years that this team is going to have together based on all the contracts, it's like, they're going to take that. Like I, I, I just want people to understand how hard it is to win a World Series. Like, yeah, it's difficult to make the playoffs, let alone win a World Series. So if you as long as this team, again, whether they win it or not, as long as this team takes the positives from the situation. And I know that sounds very like millennial protect everybody's feelings, but like that's the truth. Like you don't necessarily know how these situations are going to play out until you're there. And and we can sit here all day and talk about how Craig Kimbrell is going to be, you know, the greatest closer ever, and we're going to make the world, we're going to go to the World Series, and he's going to lock it down. What if this guy were to give up a walk off homer? Is he still the like? That's what I'm saying. You can't really put everything on one player. You have to look at the way that this entire team is structured, and go from there. Like I I think putting pressure on one guy be like we because we got this guy we're going to win the world series or we're our 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 probability is extremely high i don't necessarily think that's fair for the player nor is it fair for the fans because now you're looking at when craig kimbrell comes in or insert player here when this person has an opportunity to really impact the game and he doesn't do it 
then you're like, well, he sucks or mm-hmm. this whole team sucks. And it's like, they don't. And I hope I'm making sense because that's what I'm getting. I'm getting that vibe from White Sox Twitter sometimes. If Hendricks comes in or Kimbrell comes in or Tapera or, you know, Anderson grounds out or whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like they're like, well, he sucks. And it's like, <laughs> Well, no. I mean, I think you just need to understand how hard, how difficult baseball is. Like, yeah, it's you. You fail seventy percent of the time, man, and that's batting three hundred. And you're like, going to the Hall of Fame, like, yeah, Hall of Famers <laughs> fail seventy percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I will say though, I think um, I've applauded uh, most of White Sox Twitter over the past couple of days because of uh, their comments with Liam Hendricks. He has been. Oh bad he has been yeah. awful in the can, past like, go ahead can I, I just want to read a tweet to you is it mine <laughs> yeah you guessed uh, uh you guessed it right it says fire liam Hendricks. dude is so garbage right now that was sent at 1001 last night yep <laughs> yep uh hashtag white socks that's uh listen man here here's my thing and this this is coming from a guy who's not watching every single pitch from the I White think Sox. I to, let me before you before you make your comments. Let me clarify what I mean. Okay. Because because I think that there's some people that are like, "What you want to DFA Liam Hendricks?" No, that's <laughs> not what I mean. No, not a chance. I think that you need to give the ball to Craig Kimbrell in the ninth. I I think Liam Hendricks yep. has shown that he has lost his closing uh, opportunities and mm-hmm. throw him in in the eighth, like. He has too much of a problem with the home run ball. I mean, really, like, he doesn't give up hits. He doesn't really walk too many guys. He just gives up big home runs, and you cannot have that in save situations. So it is absolutely time for Liam Hendricks, who has said in the past, I don't care where I'm used, how I'm used, when I'm used. I just want to win a ring. If you want to win a ring, you need to take a step back and realize that you are not closing games right now. Like yeah. you have to take a step back. <laughs> okay. And I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. My other thing is Craig Kimbrell, who also has given up some homers. He historically does not do well outside of save situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, at least I know the Cubs kind of like, obviously Craig Kimbrell struggled in 2019 when the Cubs signed him like in the middle of the year, he didn't get a spring training and he just overall was not good the rest of the season whenever the Cubs needed him, and that is why they didn't make the playoffs in 2019. I'll take that to the grave. Also, Juliana Zobris, fuck her. <laughs> um, but in 2020, after the first month of the two months that there were, he w- figured it out in the second half, and even though he wasn't in safe situations, he was a pretty good setup guy. Um for a team that won the division and 60 games and no one really gives a shit about except for Dodger fans. And I guess you cared about it because the White Sox had their best season since 2008. Mm-hmm. So you go back into first 162 season. Uh, Craig Kimbrell finally gets a spring training with the Cubs finally. And before getting traded, he has an ERA of 0.49 Makes the all-star team probably the filthiest closer in baseball this year. And as someone who watched basically him save every game that he came into, in the one blown save that he had, it's not even like it shouldn't even be considered a blown save because it was in the fucking bottom of the 10th inning in Detroit with a guy on second base that he didn't put on there. But, you know, whatever, whatever. 
It's a blown save, but whatever. <laughs> this brings me back to historically, Craig, Craig Kimbrell has not been good outside of save, of save situations. So he gives up that three-run shot to Andrew Romine against the Cubs that, that I still consider a W for the quadruple-A Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he gives up a homer. What, did he give up homer last night? Or did he give up uh, homer yeah, in the Field no, of Dreams he, game? He didn't give up a homer in the Field of Dreams game, but he gave up a homer last night. Right. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not con- – if I'm a Sox fan, I'm not concerned with Craig Kimbrell as much as I am Liam Hendricks. So Absolutely. that's where I that's where I'm with you on Liam Hendricks needs to be like in the setup role or something. And you can worry about how bad that contract is at the end of the year if you win the World Series. Um I mean, and this isn't even like this isn't news. Like Liam Hendricks hasn't been like do you think he's lived up to the contract this year before no, I mean, Craig Kimbrell came to the to the White Sox? Like No, no, because if you look at his numbers, he's blown like 20% of his saves. Right. And it's like, buddy, if we're paying you what we're paying you, um, you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting top closer money. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be 26 for 31 and, and like expect to get praised for what you're, for how you're doing. Like the thing is, is when he, when he comes in and he's lights out, he's nasty. I mean, oh, he's yeah. nasty. But he shut down the Cubs. I mean, again, quadruple A Cubs, but he, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen it firsthand. He is he he can when he's on, he's on, and he's one of the best closers in the game. I just you know I didn't mean to cut you off there either. No, no, you're it, fine. I, but that but that's just my point. Like when he's good, he's he's one of the best in the game. But the problem is, is twenty percent of the time he's he's not very good. And and when you're yeah. when you look at like I know we we literally five minutes ago we said if you fail seventy percent of the time you're going to the Hall of Fame, <laughs> but it, it's a little different for when. Pitchers. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little different for pitchers yeah. and it, it, it's also a little bit different when you're talking about a team who is trying to beat these these playoff caliber teams like the Yankees I mean truthfully if the Yankees get healthy uh and stay healthy I I do think that they're going to sneak into the playoffs that lineup is so lethal and, and we're not even facing Rizzo like yeah you know they're they're they hit the ball all over the place and it's it's so daunting to look at their lineup especially when you have a, a 6'6 Aaron Judge who hits the ball 9,000 feet. But, like, Liam Hendricks is one of those guys who I, I think he like he wants to be good so bad and, and when he's struggling. And sometimes I think he's trying a little bit too hard to make up for the fact that he's blown a few saves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's trying to overpower guys. And I, I don't care if you throw 112, the ball's getting hit. Like they they talked about it last night on the broadcast. Like if you're throwing four seam fastballs with zero movement, it doesn't matter how hard you're throwing. It's they're gonna get hit. Yeah. So I think that there needs to be some sort of conversation with Ethan Katz and, and Liam Hendricks. And it's like we need to rework how we're approaching these hitters because you can't live on your fastball. I know Lance Lynn lives on his fastball, but literally, yeah. <laughs> he, he's so yeah. He he's so um he's so manipulative with it with it that it's it's almost like four or five different pitches when he, when mm-hmm. he's changing speeds locating differently maybe throwing a little bit of movement on it like it's it's different but for Liam Hendricks he's his attitude is like I'm gonna steam's coming out of my ears I'm gonna throw a hundred I'm gonna blow by you and when you're playing playoff teams it's not gonna happen when you're playing yes when you're playing the the depleted Cubs you'll probably get by 
But when you're playing a, a New York Yankees team with professional baseball hitters, and and we have a really tough schedule coming up too, throwing fastballs is not going to work. Like his his breaking stuff is two strikes. Well, yeah. you're not you're not throwing your breaking stuff after when you get to two strikes if you're giving up home runs or doubles to, on your fastball in the first or second pitch of the at bat. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it to me, it's like you is like when you when you make the moves they did at the deadline and it, you're you're going all in, man. Like you're you're going all in without even like really going all in because they didn't really move any of their top prospects i mean i know Sox fans weren't mad that they lost nick madrigal i think mm-hmm. they're going to regret saying that in the next year or two um and maybe that's because i'm a cubs fan and i'm a little bit biased but i do think nick nick madrigal is exactly what the cubs needed and i think he's going to be a very nice player for the cubs but when you go all in like they did and get the players that they got and you have a lance lynn who's literally having the best season of his career right now at the age that he's at, then you have Carlos Rodon, who's obviously having the best season of his career, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And I know he's on the IL right now. And it's basically for a dead arm, and he, he's probably going to be fine. And then yeah. you're and you have and you have a Lucas Giolito, who honestly he's been consistent. Like he's just been consistent. He hasn't been emphatically great or bad he's just been consistently giving eating you innings and you know your offense has just been able to do what it can like when you're getting seasons like that out of those three guys and then you're getting contributions out of sebi savala and fucking (laughs) fucking jake lamb like like this these are the kinds of things that it reminds me of the cubs in 16 when chris coglin's fucking calling time at the plate and then they dump doesn't give it to him, and he just gets back in the box as the guy's throwing the pitch, and he hits a freaking RBI single to <laughs> bring in the winning runs against I think it was the Reds. Or, all right, right, or John Lester walk off bunt against the Mariners at the yeah. end of fucking August or whatever. Like just all these random things that when your team is just just has it, like you gotta capitalize and just go all in and. And again, it's World Series or bust. Like, that's how good the Sox have been this year, man. I know the division sucks. I know that they haven't played exactly the greatest against the top dogs in the American League. But on the flip side of that, they're so far ahead in the division that it allows them to just kind of like tweak with some stuff, you know, like give Rodon the, the time off so he can rest his arm and, you know, get other at bats for other guys and find out what their place is going to be in the postseason. Like that's the pro of being so far ahead in the division right now, because they're going to like, they're, they're going to cruise. I just got to go 500 the rest of the year and they'll be fine. You well, know what I mean? And so I said, so when uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back here a little bit, when Yasmani oh, cool. Grandal, when Yasmani Grandal went down um, the second time, when we, when we realized he was going to be out six weeks, mm. I said, if this team can play 500 baseball, until we have a full lineup back, I'm good. I'm content. Like, we're still going to be about 20 games over 500, 21, 22 games over 500. And, you know, then we we turn it on at the end of August into September. And then we really, really diagnose what we have for the playoffs. Brother, we are 14 and 14 since the All-Star break. <laughs> yeah. And 
we're doing it, as you said, with guys like Sevi Zavala and Zach Collins, who I feel so bad for this guy. I want to like him so bad, but he's definitely going. He's he's getting demoted when Yasmani comes back. Sevi Zavala has won that backup catcher's role without a doubt. Um, but I think to your point, as much as I, I slandered Liam Hendricks, I, I think, um, as you said, there are pros to to being that that far up in the division. I, I think that you do have a little bit of wiggle room with Liam Hendricks as far as like, hey, dude, we're going to send you out there a few more times and see what you can do, see if you can bounce back because we're going to need you for the playoffs. I think it's mm-hmm. a different story if you're a half a game up on the on the Indians. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you have to make those quicker adjustments, and I do have faith. I really do. I have faith in, in Tony LaRusso and the rest of his coaching staff that they're going to make the right decisions down the stretch, whether that means switching Liam Hendricks or maybe he figures it out and 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 he's still the closer or whatever the case is I, I'm confident that these guys know what they're doing and I'm I'm glad you brought up the the division lead because of guys like Brian Goodwin of guys like uh Leary Garcia and Jake Lamb like these guys are getting regular playing time but I don't necessarily think that Sox fans understand all the time I, I think it's it's hard to be to ground yourself in the moment of when the lineup gets released that these guys are not going to start for you in the playoffs. Yeah. Like your, your outfield is going to be Jimenez, Robert Vaughn. It's that's what it's going to be. Um, or you DH Vaughn and, and you throw, you know, maybe, maybe Gavin sheets makes the roster and you throw him in right. Like down the next month. Well, no, I guess not even month. Well, yeah. Uh, the next like half a month, month or whatever, is going to be the the prime opportunity for this co- this coaching staff to realize exactly what they have not for regular season baseball no. but for postseason baseball. Leury Garcia is not going to be a starter in the postseason. Nope. Like I think we can I think we can all agree with that. And and getting <laughs> upset that Leury Garcia is playing center field and Luis Robert isn't I we have to understand that like these guys are sort of coasting Mm-hmm. For the postseason, like we need to make sure that these guys are as close to 100% for the postseason as possible. And you're right, you can't have Jose Abreu take you know 90 days off in the season because Andrew Vaughn can play first base. Like you, you have to work with what you have, and th- that's that's what they're doing. I mean, like Cesar Hernandez is like he's going to play 162 games a year. Like he doesn't need a day off. Yeah. There are guys on this team who do need days off, and the division is to the Sox advantage. Give these guys if they if a guy walks into my office and we're 14 games up in the division, we're like 11. But if we're 14 games up in the division and they're like, Skip, I you know, I'm feeling a little bit today. Um, you know, I I don't know, I don't I don't think I should go today. I and and players will never say that, but like just a scenario, I I know that I can afford it. So I'm gonna give him the I'm gonna give him the day off. Like it's, I think TLR is more of a player manager than people think. That's my point. Oh, I would agree with that too. And and I think he had that reputation with the Cardinals too. I think the people that are against him are just because of some comments he's made in the past related to controversial issues. The fact that he is kind of an alcoholic and, (laughs) and then like, you know, he's just very old school type baseball mind. And with the game like MLB, like promoting this, let the kids play type stuff and, and all of that. And like more people wanting to move towards that. You look at Tony Russa and you just assume that he is not about that at all. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't think he's all about it because obviously the whole thing with your main Mercedes went down still. And that's a whole nother story that we've already talked about. And it is what it is. And that's like, that's the only thing this season from Tony LaRusso from a guy like me that would look at and be like, that's the only thing that he really should be getting any kind of blank, like any kind of criticism for. Cause just cause he yeah. didn't have his players back. But other than that though, like he has been everything that he uh, always was with the Cardinals. He was always, you know, someone that the players love to be around. So that's why I, and I'd have to go back and find the podcast whenever it was announced that it went down. I was like, I remember saying something like, like, yeah, there's a lot of negativity. The White Sox are getting slandered for this right now, but in the long run, I do not think that this is going to be bad for them. I think that mm-hmm. this would be a, a good thing for them. And yeah, what are I, they? I'll, they're I'll... first place. They're 10 games up in the division. They're, you know, they got a, they're the, the only thing that I, you know, that could happen is when they get in the postseason and he just makes a really bad move, like like Kevin Nash, or I think that's his name, the manager Kevin for Cash. the Ke- Kevin Cash, not the fucking wrestler. Sorry, um, <laughs> Kevin Cash, like fucking taking Blake Snell out with you know in the game seven or whatever game it was in the World Series that lost in that game essentially. Like that would be the only like those types of the moves that are the but, only but thing the in thing my is, opinion though- that I think he should get that he should get criticism for. Well, absolutely. But and the, he just hasn't had a lot of those moments this year. The the thing is though, is think about what, um, think about what Ricky Renteria did last season. Like he took out Dane Dunning. You yep. put in, you put in like Carlos Rodon, then you put in crochet and like, you just de- depleted the bullpen with, by the fourth inning. Right. And they, they didn't, they didn't protect their guys down the stretch. Like, so, right. so everybody was super gassed and they were like, oh, wait, I'm getting thrown into the playoffs in the fourth inning like what are we doing but but to the to the kevin cash and blake snell situation i think that was one of those times where all of baseball was like what are you doing like this makes no sense they they took they took the you know the analytical route yeah instead of just letting it you know like let the gut feeling take it you know well but that's my point any any manager can make that decision like, it, right. like just because it's Kevin Cash or just because it's David Ross or, or, or Tony the Russo doesn't mean that they're not going to make a bad decision for like, sure. That that's that comes with the territory of being a manager. Like if right. I'm like, I, I think he's done. I'm going to go to the pen I and just then the guy comes in and yeah. gives up a bomb. It's like, well, right. Yeah. And what I'm saying to just to prove to make my point is like, those are really the only things that he should be getting any kind of criticism Absolutely. for at this point. Yeah. Yeah. There's still people I see. I don't even follow my White Sox part of White Sox Twitter. I think they just appear on my timeline because Twitter just wants to make me mad. <laughs> uh, you know, like people slandering him. I'm just like, this guy is leading the first place team in the AL Central. You're up double digits in the standings. Yeah. I mean, I don't like Tony LaRusso because he broke my fucking heart with the, <laughs> those Cardinal teams when I was a kid. But fuck, man, like I would have taken him on my team. You know, yeah. it yeah. is what I, it is. I, I think it's it's just you know it's just part of being a Chicago sports fan. Like we're just oh, we're yeah. very 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 hard on our teams, and for sure. um, you know. And part of that is like and... part of that is like you know you, you like that because it means we care and we want to win and all that. And then the other part is like, all right, we need to re fucking lax, brother. Like <laughs> yeah, you guys like, again, you're you're fucking this many games up in the division. You're you're gonna coast to the postseason. You're gonna get your bullpen right. You're gonna make sure your starters are rested well enough. And then you're going to just put your dick on the table and see if it fucking 
carries you yeah, like that. See how like, big everybody else's is, and we'll see right, what happens. Exactly. Like it will come down to the players when it gets to October because the you got to credit Rick Hahn. He has put this team together very well. He made the right moves at the deadline without giving up any of their you know top prospects, unless you count Nick Magical as a prospect. I he hasn't played a full major league season. Neither has Cody Hoyer. You know, yeah. so I mean. Maybe you can consider those prospects. I consider them major league players who have promising futures. Well, Hoyer's uh, Hoyer's a very promising arm. I, I really did like him on the Sox. I think he's going to be one of those guys who's just an under the radar uh, reliever for for the rest of his career. Yeah, no one, even on Cubs Twitter, no one's really talking about Cody Hoyer, even though he actually has been pitching for the Cubs and he he had some he's had some bright moments. He's had some bad moments. Gave up a two run homer the other night, in like the eighth or ninth inning. I don't remember. It's all very just goes in and out my yeah. brain now because <laughs> yeah. of slot pain. But you know, like all of that said, like they are just they have set themselves up, and it brings me back to the Kimbrel and the Liam Hendricks thing again. I'll like if you don't make the decision today, if you you make the decision tomorrow or the next day, especially if Liam Hendricks, if they roll with Liam Hendricks out there one more time to get a save and he blows it again. You just got to make the move, man. You just got to do it. You can't, like, you got to get these guys in positions that are to win and to just just get everyone set up. Yeah, because we we have what? Like, we have like 58 games left. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Like 57, 58 games left. So I do think, you know, um, I would not not even that. You might have even less than that because it's in mid August. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't do math. Um, (laughs) I I was a communications major. Come on. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I would not be surprised if there's a little bit more leeway for these guys for the next maybe week or so. But at the same time, like now that I just say that we we have four with the A's and then we go on the road for three with Tampa Bay and, and four with Toronto. Like we're not we don't have we don't have an easy schedule at all. Yeah. Right. So uh, at least for the next two weeks. But I, I think um, there are going to be situations where we do see like, okay, like this is a playoff type move that TLR is going with. Like, mm. I, I think we're going to see that like just as much as we say the players need to, you know, be in playoff mode as the season winds down. I, I think that Tony LaRusso's experience is going to, to show this team like, Hey, like I know it's game one fifty six. This is the playoffs right now. Like we're getting ready. Like this is, this is like the, the preseason to the postseason. Right. And, um, you know, I I don't know, man. I, I'll tell you what, though, like sort of tongue in cheek. I hope that TLR goes into the locker room one day and like it's dead silent. Like you can hear a pin drop and he's like, <laughs> he's like, who do you play for? <laughs> it was like a Herb Brooks type speech and everybody's all yeah. fired up. And then like mm-hmm. they just go out and go nuts. But um Nice little coach Taylor, little football guy type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Clear eyes, full hearts. <laughs> like, Can't lose, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but I don't know, man. I I sit here and complain about this team because I, you're right. Like, everybody, we want to win. And um, we're just super passionate about this team. But I, I think at the end of the day, like, if I took a step back and just relaxed for a second and thought about where this team is right now, like I'm just gonna take it day by day. Like I, I do my best to take it day by day and be like, this team is so good. Like even if they lose, this team is, it's, this team is further than we thought they would be in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm. I good agree. I'm yeah, good. and considering the injuries and everything, man. Like, yeah, they. This team has 
in the eyes of a Cubs fan, they, they have everything to win it all. And uh, like I said, we'll see what happens. I just, you know, this Hendricks and, and Kimbrell thing, got to get it figured out sooner rather than later. You don't want to take this problem into September and, you know. Yeah, well, that's and that's kind of what I mean. Like you when you when he's making these game time decisions at the end of the season to get ready for the postseason, I think it's also more important. It, it, it's not also, but it's it's probably more important to send the message to this team. Like there are no question marks. Like everybody yeah, has their role. Like that. This is what it is. Liam, you're the you're the setup guy. Uh, Kimbrel, you're the closer. Leary, you're a late inning sub. Like everybody needs to have their role so they can adjust and and really focus on you know contributing in a way that where TLR puts them. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, uh, anything else on the Sox? I literally just want to talk to you about the Field of Dreams game and then your bullpen problem with Hendricks and, and, and Kimbrell, and it turned into a 40-minute conversation. Well, I, I mean, I had to make up for the past two weeks. Yeah. So no, shout same. out to your internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you that. That, that little, that little we watch film? I'm telling you. Watch what? film? Yeah. Watch film? You just yeah. reset? Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, maybe the Cubs will like if I tell the Cubs to do that they'll they'll win a game. You know? Um, the last thing, real quick, I, I don't want to spend you know too long on this, but Yoan Moncada, um, I think we're starting to re- at least I am I'm starting to realize that Yoan Moncada is just going to be an underwhelming player for us. It's like he's never going to live up to the top prospect, you know? Yeah, I, and I don't know what it is, dude. I, he also like, like kind of doesn't show like passion or emotion. yeah. Like, Right. Like, like he doesn't I, like he doesn't get mad when he strikes out. Like yep. he just is kind of like whatever type yeah. vibe. And, and, yeah. and that could be that could be his personality. Like it, mm. it, it could be. There are some guys Especially that are, if he keeps releasing more, you know, what is he, Puerto yeah. Rican? Like more more hits down there or whatever the, you want to call it. I, I just um I know that there are there are people that like that you make that joke of like you know, he's too focused on women in bikinis and, and music <laughs> and stuff like that. And like, I mean, at, at a certain point, like if he keeps struggling, I think that you might have to like sort of look into that because yeah, w- when you're, when you look at your Moncada, like when he came to the white Sox, I mean, he was tearing the cover off the ball and everybody was like, this guy, this guy's yeah. going to be a stud. Well, he, well, he, to be honest, like his first year when he got called up, he started off kind of hot, and then the league kind of figured him out, and he struggled for a full season. But then in, like, 2019, I think, was when he, when he kind of broke out, had a huge year. Sox were still bad, but he had mm-hmm. a huge year. Then COVID happened in 2020, didn't play well last year. This year he's had – I mean, I feel like he's just been very up and down. He's not been someone you can consistently rely on. Defensively, yeah. he has some nice plays, but sometimes he – can be a little bit of a liability. I think, like essentially uh, at the end of the day, you feel like he's a nice player, but he's not living up to the hype that he was brought up as. I'll, I'll say is that is that, is that like, is that what I'm saying? Absolutely fair. Yeah. That's, that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. And I'll say this too. Um, maybe a hot take, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> when you look at this core, uh, Yon Moncada will be the first to go. Okay. I guess because we'll see. <laughs> be, because Tim Anderson is has, is becoming the face of the franchise. Eloy Jimenez comes off the injured list, and it's like, okay, you didn't miss a beat. And, and Luis Robert has an extremely high ceiling. 
And yeah. really, it's like Yon Moncada. Like, what do we really have with Yon Moncada? Like, unless he turns this around, I mean, we might have a guy who's just your average run-of-the-mill third baseman, and yeah. you can replace those. Yeah. But they extended him, though. They're going to have him for a while, I guess. Well, if yeah, you... but, I mean, team control. Like, you want to trade him away? Somebody, will... I think somebody would take him. I would take him. You want to trade him to the north side? I'll no, take right him. No. No. <laughs> oh, how about this? Like Moncada a... for Hoyer and Madrigal. <laughs> i don't even know what to say to that man <laughs> like i literally don't even know what to say i would just, i mean I, i'm just hoping that moncada turns it around before the playoffs because we do need his bat whether he's yeah. in the middle of the order at the at the at the bottom we, we need him yeah no i i totally get what you're saying and i've kind of gotten that vibe from him too because he's just been very i don't want to say streaky i guess like i mean streaky i don't know if i would even say streaky because when he's hot he's like lukewarm Mm. This like his best days aren't whatever. His like best days are like you know two for five, maybe an RBI. It's like, nah. yeah, but but I will say homers. this too. Like, I I as I man, I, I'm slandering the hell out of these guys because I'm I just want to win so bad. Moncada is is like in the top five of virtually every offensive category on the team. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, what can you really? I, I'm what complaining. You but it's what like, are you complaining about, man? Yeah, yeah. It's and like, the, again, everything I said is just coming out from what I've seen from the outside perspective. I, I'm kind of with you in a sense that, like, he's been very good, but he hasn't played, like, 2019 Mankata. And I think that's why people are a little disappointed, I guess, maybe. Am well, I... The 19 stretch that he had wasn't very good either, so. Well, what year am I talking about? Am, is no, it, no, was no, it 18? for 19. I think you're talking oh. about, I think you're talking about 19. Because it, because. Okay. 19 yeah, was I, good. I mean, it feels so long ago, but. Right. I know. I a, felt like had, in 2019 he was he had a huge year, and they called up Eloy the same year, and like you you had the you had all these good like all the future so bright type vibes, mm-hmm. and and all that good stuff. So yeah, I mean yeah, I mean maybe it's because you know he had played so well in 19 because didn't have the pressure of having to perform all the time. I don't know. Like yeah, but wouldn't you think that now that Anderson's up and playing so well, and Eloy and Luis are here, it's like there is no pressure. You'd think because when you got those guys to, you know, I guess give you that support or not support, but like the, what is the word I'm trying to think of? You know, like the, I don't know, just like yeah, extra. I'm trying to read your mind. I have no idea. The extra, like when you got guys like that in the lineup, it gives that extra, like, okay, mm-hmm. you can either face Tim Anderson or you can walk him, but you'll have to face Mankato or Eloy or whoever yeah. who's behind mm-hmm. him. You're like that kind of like it's it's pick your poison type shit. Like, well, it's I not think what they're trying to do right now with with them with the lineup now because Moncada is hitting in front of Robert. And I know some people are like, well, Mokata should protection. Be... That's the word I'm trying to. Provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Per- protection. There you they're, go. they're like, Mokata shouldn't be hitting a, a, above Robert. Mokata should be getting less at bats than Luis Robert should. And, and I, you know, I think for, on a surface level, you can agree with that. But at the same time, it's like Mokata's going to get more pitches to hit if he's hitting in front of Luis Robert. So, yeah. like, you, you have to kind of. Yeah. We'll see. I, feel you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe maybe you're just bitching to bitch. That's yeah, fine. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> this is all I know. This is all I know. Yeah. All I know is to, let's complain from 2008 on. And I'm still trying to adjust to the fact that this team is in first place. Yeah. And uh, our front office didn't urinate down the leg. So for sure. All right, man. Well, it's always good talking. Uh, glad that we made it this far and didn't have any interruptions. 
thanks to your yeah. internet. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we will talk again next next week and uh, looking forward to seeing where they are. I won't lie because the Cubs are so bad. I have been paying more attention to the White Sox. Um, don't clip that and share it to all of White Sox Twitter. I'm just, you know, what am I, what am I supposed to do, man? It's baseball, dude. It's baseball. It's just baseball. So I'm just watching the good teams at this point and watching the Cubs minor league system. That's literally what I'm doing. So. All right. We've reached the Bears portion of our show. Um, I am joined by a good friend of mine. I've never actually met him in person, but which is actually kind of surprising considering how much I see him at Wrigley Field and I am at Wrigley Field this year. And then I, he's all over the place, but I've never met him in person. Uh, but it's coming. Right? It's coming. It's, coming. I, it's it's long past due that I hang out with the ONTAP crew. You guys look like some serious tailgate warriors. So yeah, maybe, right. maybe for Cubs socks, we can go over there and, and, uh, have these guys uh, beat us down a little more while we enjoy their their tailgating spirit. <laughs> uh, if if that voice sounds familiar, that's my good friend Greg Braggs uh, from Braggs in the Stands. He literally just finished his live show. He said he I was DMing with him yesterday. He said, "Yeah, it's only going to be like an hour. Going to start at ten. Should only be like an hour. It literally is now twelve, almost thirty. <laughs> he finished like fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> What's yeah, up, man? How's it going? It, it's going good. Yeah. When when you said, you know, hey, can I get like 15, 30 extra minutes? I was like, sure, no problem. And then we talked for another twelve, literally till the dire last breath. We yeah. we went for the full twenty five minutes. You know, I, you know, like I said on the show, I love to hear myself talk. So it's always yeah. good to then you know transfer over and, and and hear myself talk some more. So I'm excited to do it, man. Let's let That's it rip. Awesome. Well, man, uh, I'm just gonna dive into it. Um, and this might be a question many people are wondering: How have you got so many tickets to Bears Camp? How, <laughs> like, how do you do this? Like I've seen so many people that are like, man, I'm just trying to go one day. And you've literally been there almost every single day. Yeah, about five or six. Last week, I didn't go once. I'm proud to say that I went to work like a normal human being. Like a normal human. Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) being with the Bears social media presence that I have, I do get people that reach out to me that have tickets. I've been trying to give back to the people. I'm doing a giveaway today for four tickets for tomorrow that I have. I'm not going because I'm going to go to work. Because I'm going to Vegas on Thursday, so I can only push this so far. This isn't my real job. I'm a bricklayer. So, you know, leaving work all the time to go play at Bears Camp, you know, my boss doesn't mind, but I don't want to push it too much. (laughs) But the first weekend, I want my wife had won the lottery. I did an email with, you know, to win the lottery with my mom, myself, and my wife. My wife was the one that ended up getting approved. So then I have a good friend, Terrence Young, who's also done some work here on Braggs and the Stands. Uh, he won. His wife actually won the lottery as well. So we did a swap where I took him and then he took me. And I really thought that was going to be the only camps I was going to be able to go to because, you know, going into camp, it seemed like there would be very few opportunities. I mean, when I went to Bourbonnais, I would go to every single practice. So you know, I thought though that first weekend was going to be my only shot to see Hallis Hall. And it turns out that has been far from the case. I've had a lot of different people reach out to me with extra tickets. And, no. you know, I've taken a couple and then I've tried to give out the ones for the ones that I can't go to. You know, I'm friends with Bear Man, you know, the legendary Hall of Famer, Hall of Fans, Bear Man. He hooked me up with some tickets. Uh, 
I'm actually still kind of friendly with the Leno family, Jen and Charles Leno. They hooked me up with tickets last week, and then that ended up getting rained out, so she got more, and she DM'd me and sent those along. And uh, so I'm trying to give back as much as I can to give them out to fans that haven't been there. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I I live a charmed life, as uh, a guy (laughs) on Facebook always reminds me. And, you know, a lot of people just know me for Bears it's kind of like with Cubs tickets. I'm sure you get this too. Everybody knows you're a diehard Cub fan, so I'm sure you'll have people reach out to you because they know how diehard you are. Like, hey, I got an extra ticket, or I can't go today. Do you want them? That's basically what's happening with mm-hmm. these training camp tickets. I'm having a lot of different people, so much so that like I'm forgetting some of the people that are offering me these. Like, <laughs> I had one guy, uh, uh, Aaron, on Twitter. He was like, oh, so my friend Joe hooked you up with tickets. And I was like, I don't think so. And then I went back <laughs> and looked on Instagram, and sure enough, this guy named Joe did hook me up with some tickets. So I like, I got to keep these in order because I got a lot of Christmas uh, cards to send out here in a few months because everyone's yeah. been so nice about it. But, yeah, I definitely feel fortunate somewhat guilty because I I feel somewhat guilty about it because I do understand there are a lot of fans that haven't been able to go at all. You know, I'm trying to provide the best coverage I can. I'm not the only one that's been there more than multiple times. Uh, You know, but I I will, I will say this, you know, I'll throw your viewers a bone, but we got to keep this a secret too. Cause I know my guy, Nick will get mad at me if I start saying this stuff live on the air, but screw it. I don't give a shit. The other (laughs) trick to do is if you really, really want to go and you have no connections and you can't go, just go over to the Hawthorne Mall and go wait over by the line and ask people as they're getting on the bus if they have an extra one. I haven't tried this yet, but it is a a pretty sure thing that you'll get through because what's happening with training camp is you know, their allotment is – the full capacity is 1,300 fans, and they have not Mm. hit that even close once because a lot of fans either a can't go and then give them to Greg or B they go and they have four tickets, but only take two or three people. So you got people that are going in with an extra one and then it goes unused. So there's a few different tricks to the trade. You know, I've just been fortunate enough to have a lot of people reach out to me. I would, uh, I would probably like, take that tip from you if i still lived out there i lived out in the north suburbs until the last mm, couple weeks <laughs> i just moved to the city like a couple weeks ago uh, but my girlfriend used to work at uh, hawthorne hawthorne mall actually and we lived about 10 miles up the road from there so uh but yeah that is one I- trick i've been talking with some of the bears people that work within the front office about doing a first come first serve basis at the mall the problem is they don't know they gave a thousand tickets away for each day So they don't know who is and isn't going to show up. But on average now, they're getting a pretty good idea that it's only going to be, you know, mostly the first week, it was only like 300 at best. Now it started to go up a little bit. But on the weekdays, the number is going to stay low. I think the most they probably had is 700 maybe. Maybe. I don't even know. But I think that they need to do a first come first serve basis at the Hawthorne mall. They, the, the capacity apparently is only 1300. Why? I don't know, but that's the capacity. So if they know their rough estimates going to be somewhere around 500 to 600 fans, let another 500 show up to the mall 
And if your early bird gets the worm, I know I'll be there. I'll get yeah. in, you know, yeah. and if you want to get there early enough, you know, I, and, and I don't think people will bum rush it like bourbon A's gates. You know, I think people got to get used to it being out in Lake Forest. So there's some different ways to remedy this issue with fans being able to attend, but uh, it's it's kind of a logistical thing that they got to work through being that it's the first year. I think they they had some miscalculations, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, I have heard a lot of people that are kind of bummed that it's not in Bourbon A, and I think it's just because people don't like change. But over time, I feel like people will, will get accustomed to it being in Lake Forest. It's sad that it's not at Bourbon A. For someone like me, it was only Bourbon A was 25 minutes away. Now I got to drive all the way all through the, the city. Yeah. It's, and it's a shitty drive, you know, to oh, yeah. be, trying oh, to yeah. fight traffic to get through there. I almost got pulled over like three times, you know, because I'm flying down 394 oh, and stuff. Like, I don't like that, but the campus at Hallis Hall is amazing. There's no autographs or pictures, even though the first couple of days they didn't really know how to circumvent that because players were interacting with a lot of fans. I took pictures of players. Now they're hammering down on it, and uh, no players are to interact or sign autographs or anything like that. And that was another thing that made Bourbon A so special. But I think by next year, that'll end up being kind of a cool thing because when you go and there's only a 1,000 fans there, you might have a better opportunity to get a picture or an autograph with a player that you like, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to Bourbon A when it was 10,000 screaming fans and they're all very spread out. And sometimes only players would go to one side and not come over to your side. That's not something you can take advantage of this year, but I think going forward, it will be better. And the, the campus at Hallis Hall is beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to be there. Uh, you know, if you've never been there before, you, it's a little bit of you get the butterflies as you're walking up because it's cool. You know, you see yeah. the the big building with Chicago, the Chicago Bears emblem at the top, and it's it's really cool. I mean, it's it's not like Bourbon A, but you know, it's certainly a lot of fun to be there for sure. Well, uh, you know, I it it would be I did not envision envision this, but we've been ten minutes and I haven't mentioned Justin Fields yet. I feel like that's <laughs> like a good like a. a I, if you had the the uh, the over on that, then you're way you're way off. You lost. You lost you your money. Lost, <laughs> you lost your money if you had the over on that. Um, my friend, I you were at the game yesterday, which I was kind of jealous of all the people over there. You weren't the only person I know, but uh, I, I don't know where your stand stance is on this. I'll just go ahead and let you know that on this show for the last three months, ever since Justin Fields was drafted, I've been on the let him sit for a year train mm. and it's mainly because i don't trust matt Nagy. um not because i don't think he's capable it's more of just I, I i just don't know but after everything i've seen in camp like your videos and people like all the the national reporters talking and then what we saw in the game yesterday i'm starting to change my mind which i knew i would uh so i don't i i really don't know at this point man i uh I, I don't know. Like, where, where, where are you at on this right now? Oh, man. I mean, I had it pegged for week four against the Lions that that's when he would come in because I thought that was a nice, comfortable spot. You're three weeks into the season. You can get the run game going, get the offensive line set. They just picked up Jason Peters, you know, and, and they need that with Tevin Jenkins being out. And I thought that would be the place to put them. They're playing the Lions at home. We have good success against the Lions. You know, and to me, that was the perfect soft spot. Let Justin learn what it's like to prepare for a game day. Watch Andy Dalton go through the motions, the halftime adjustments, things of that nature. 
But now that we all saw what we saw yesterday, and it piggybacked off what he did Thursday's practice against the Dolphins that none of us could see. But if you follow the reporting or from the people that were there with their eyes, this this guy is big time. He's a gamer. And, yeah. you know, this team's going to rally around him. And now you're even hearing it. Matt Nagy was asked straight up about, you know, his potential of starting right away. And he didn't push back on it. So I think even Matt Nagy's starting to lean closer to week one than a week four, but he has to see more of it. How much can he see in a shortened preseason where you only have three games? And it's unlikely anyone of importance plays that third preseason game. So he's really going to have to show out next week against Mitch Trubisky and the Buffalo Bills, but it's very likely that it will happen. How many first-team reps Justin Fields gets next week I think will be important. I think you're going to start seeing Justin Fields start to get some first-team reps at practice, which we have not seen yet. So those are some of the reasons that I think maybe week one is still a stretch, but sitting the entire year is not on the table. I don't think that ever was – that doesn't make much football sense. Even though the Chiefs did that with Patrick Mahomes, they had Alex Smith who had been with the Chiefs for years and wasn't just a veteran. He was a solid veteran who ended up having his career year with the Chiefs that year. Andy Dalton, while he might be a veteran who's you, you know what you're getting from, to expect him to have a career year this year with the Bears, who he's never been with, he's he knows these players as well as Justin knows these players. You know, mm-hmm. this is all fresh for him. I don't think that's what we're looking at here with with uh, Andy Dalton. I don't think it's an Alex Smith situation. And how much can Justin Fields truly learn sitting on the bench for a whole year? You're not getting any you, when when the season starts. If you're not the starter. You know, each week during practice leading up to the game, the first team gets the majority of the reps. The second team and third string reps significantly drops off compared to what it is at training camp. Mm -hmm. So Justin Fields, you know, while he could sit back and watch how the whole season progressed, you're not really you're not going to learn as much as you're going to learn when once you just get on the field and play. The, The fear is putting him out there before the offensive line is ready to protect him, before the run game is ready to give him that comfort and that balance that he needs so it's not all on Justin's shoulders to throw 50 times a game and win us games. Those are the keys that I think need to be set in order for Matt Nagy to feel comfortable enough to put him into the the fire. Mm -hmm. Once those things are set, then I think they're going to do it. Now, they're obviously keyed in on it because, they, like I said, they just picked up Jason Peters. Now you get the left tackle in the house. They have left guard, center, and right guard set with Cody White here, Sam Mussifer, and James Daniels. We're waiting on Jermaine Effetti to get healthy, or could Larry Borum potentially take his job at right tackle? Once that gets set and then they, they get the run game established, I want him to start week one just as much as any fan. Sunday night football against the Rams, it would be a great story. Nobody really wants – it's all due respect to Andy Dalton. Nobody wants to see him run out the <laughs> tunnel as QB1 week one. We all no, want to see really. Justin do it. Right, but right. it does have to be – You know, I know some fans will shudder at this because they're like, oh, quit uh, being soft and protecting the players. But 
you do have to take the offensive line and run game into consideration. And I think those are the biggest variables as far as when he's going to get in. But it is only a matter of time. Yesterday is full proof of that. And to me, it is by minimum or maximum by week four against the Lions. But it very well could happen before that, especially after what we've seen. Yeah, you're making a lot of sense. And again, the only reason that I've been like, you know, let him sit for the entire year is I won the offensive line. Just like, I don't know. And then I know me not trusting Matt Nagy. And if they didn't play fields, it actually just extends his tenure as the bears coach even longer. And it's not that I like, don't like Matt Nagy. It's just, I don't know. I I'm, I'm not like a, I wasn't the biggest Mitch guy, but I was also like a, I never blamed Mitch for every single thing. I was the same way. Like like, I I tried to understand why Mitch was the way he was. And I feel like Matt Nagy was a big reason he didn't play to his strengths enough. So I'm like, that's why it leaves me weary with fields because it's like, you finally feel like you've got a guy that you can build your franchise around for the next 10 years. And Matt Nagy just scares the living shit out of me, man. Like I don't know what else to say. He just scares me. And like, again, all of that can all that said, he looked great yesterday. The fact that he did what he did with the offensive line as brutal as it is right now was kind of eye-opening. They played to his strengths, though. They they did a, a lot of rollouts, shotgun. He was able to use his legs and then also showed off the arm at the same time. Like, I mean, the first like the second quarter wasn't great, but he, you know, he he caught up very quickly. Yep. Um, I don't know who the Dolph- dolphins were using once he came in, like. I don't know how many of their stars they're using. I'm assuming not as many. So I, I am taking it with a grain of salt, but you know, the eye test pass, I'll, I'll give them that much. And I don't know. I, again, I think a lot of it is just like, I'm a scarred bears fan, man. I, I am just well, it's understandable. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, you do take it with a grain of salt considering who he's going up against, but he's also got second and third string offensive line and wide receivers. He's playing with that. He's making, look at a guy like Rodney Adams. Rodney he's Adams, making yeah. plays. John Vea Johnson at practice looks like a baller. Well, it's because jo- Justin Fields is making him look that way. Imagine how Justin Fields will look when he's throwing to Darnell Mooney and Marquise Goodwin and Allen Robinson, who get separation off the line of scrimmage. That's going to make Justin Fields look even better. Granted, he's going up against first-string defenses. But that's why I've been begging, and I actually did have a conversation with Ryan Pace about this last week at camp, that I felt like, that needs to happen. How are you ever going to know how he's going to react to the speed of a first-team defense until he gets it? Now, we didn't yeah. see that yesterday. Andy Dalton got a couple series with the first team, and then Justin Fields eventually came in, but the defense took forever to get off the field to get him in, which was driving me crazy in the first half because I wanted as many reps for Justin as possible. Luckily, they were able to break out in the second half, but that was encouraging as well because NFL is about adjustments. Coming out of the halftime, making that adjustment to what you're seeing. They finished the first half with a field goal, so they found something there, and then they scored two touchdowns coming out the second half. Remember last year, as we pointed out on our show uh, earlier today, on Braxton says how how little they scored in the third quarter last year because Nagy has trouble making those adjustments at times. Now, Matt Nagy's had the built-in excuse that Mitch Trubisky wasn't good enough to run his offense. He kind of lost a little bit of that uh, lean on when he brought Nick Foles in and it got worse. He picked yeah. Nick Foles to come to this team and everybody's like, oh, he'll be the point guard of this offense. 
you know, he knows Matt Nagy. They understand the system and everything's going to be fine now that uh, the god-awful Mitch is gone. And it ended up being the opposite. They got worse. (laughs) And then Mitch had to come back in. Matt Nagy had to put the playbook down. And then, albeit against lesser talented teams, the Bears were able to string a few wins together to backdoor their way into the playoffs, which ironically could have easily saved Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's jobs. We don't know had they not made the playoffs, but that very well could have been the case. So you're right to still question Matt Nagy and his coaching prowess. He deserves the opportunity to show that he can do this with a multidimensional, big-time talented, high IQ quarterback like Justin Fields. And I'm rooting like hell for him that it does all come together and he gets it figured out and he learns his mistakes that he had, you know, from these last three years of being the head coach. He's had his ups and he's had some serious downs, you know, but his problem with establishing a run game is still something that's a big concern. That helps uh, balance your quarterback out. You know, how many times he had games where he had Mitch throwing 45 times against the Saints? He had him throw 45, 50 times, and it was still a game most of that game. They run it on a franchise record low seven times, two of which were jet sweeps. And then after the game, he says, I didn't come here to run the I formation. That was the scariest quote he's ever had as a head coach because the I formation has been around since the dawn of football. So if you (laughs) think that the I formation isn't important, then you have another thing coming as a head coach. And I think he learned that by putting the playbook down, giving it to Bill Lazor, humbled himself a little bit. That showed me that he's willing to put his ego aside. We all got egos. I got a big ego. Matt Nagy's got a big ego. He got this job. He should be proud of how why he got that job because of his offensive philosophy and, 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 and prowess as far as grooming quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes. But now he's got to show it here. And yeah. so now he's got to learn from those mistakes, come out here and 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 build off of the end of last year where they were ground and pound with David Montgomery, who's potentially an elite running back the way, you know, a guy that just refuses to go down. I've got, you know, high hopes for David Montgomery this year Man. if Matt Nagy will feed him the ball like he's promised 20-plus times. So Man. I don't think you're out of bounds in thinking that Matt Nagy still has a lot to prove. But – Sitting Justin Fields for a year, while I guess that would extend his leash and he'd stay off the hot seat because they could say they're grooming. Uh, you know, I think Matt Nagy wants to put Justin out there just as much as fans do. It just he wants to make sure it's in the safest way possible so it doesn't blow up in his face when Justin's running for his life because the offensive line can't block. It's a, you know, this is layered. You know, yeah. Mitch Trubisky looked bad and, and uh, you know, a lot of it was on Mitch. He couldn't read defenses fast enough, but the offensive line also couldn't block on running or passing. He'd, he'd be running for his life or, for his the, life, yeah. or handed the ball off. They'd be losing yards. Yeah. So they got to have all this stuff working together for it to work regardless. So, you know, I think there are a lot of fans out there like, Oh, ding dong. The Mitch is dead. So Matt Nagy's going to be able to get out of bed, but, I think Matt still has a lot to prove. So I'm right there with you, but I'm rooting like hell for him, just like I have for any player that's ever played for the Bears. I like Matt Nagy, but 
I don't think we're out of the woods yet as far as the jet sweeps and the third and one pitch to Cordero Patterson when you got Ugh. David Montgomery <laughs> standing on the sidelines. Run oh, the ball man. with David Montgomery. That's the best advice I can give, Matt. Yeah. Uh, speaking of running backs, I did like uh, Damian Williams yesterday. It is, it's going to get. It's going to take some some time to get used to the single digits from the running backs. Yeah. He's wearing number eight. And I thought it was Rex Grossman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was, uh, Damian Williams was wearing number eight, so it, I thought that was Rex Grossman in the backfield yesterday for a second. But, <laughs> a little quicker. Uh, yeah. No, he uh, – I mean, I guess he's kind of a nice uh, replacement until Tariq Cohen is, is healthy. Um, I, I don't really know his timeline yet, but I know he hasn't really been doing anything at camp at all. So um, what, nope. what, what are your thoughts on some of these other guys out there that are new? Yeah, Tariq hasn't done much other than, you know, more so than a Tevin Jenkins who's just standing there in shorts. He's pulling yeah. sleds with weights on him. He's got the elastic bands on his legs. And I am actually seeing a more serious demeanor from Tariq Cohen. When I used to go to camp, he'd be the guy dancing, having fun, uh, interacting with the fans. He, you know, I've yelled to him a few times because Tariq's my boy. He won't turn around. Like, he's locked in. And I think he knows because that running back room starting to get filled up. You've got Damian Williams, a guy that could have won Super Bowl MVP in this house. David Montgomery, obviously, is the featured back. And then Khalil Herbert, who I thought yeah. was a great draft pick. This dude's showing. Yeah. He showed it mm-hmm. yesterday on a bounce out to the left side. Shows that he's got speed and some power to finish his runs. So that running back room is 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 big. And when Tariq comes back, it's only going to add to that. I'm excited for it. Damian Williams is a smooth runner. He's a great pass catcher. He can go downfield and make a pass catch. I mean, I saw him at camp beat Roquan Smith like 40 yards down the field, a beautiful pass from Andy Dalton actually, and uh, a great catch from Damian Williams, a running back. That's not easy for running backs to do down the field like that. So I like the room, but back to Matt Nagy, I get nervous when he's got four options at running back and there's only one ball and 70 to 80 snaps per game on offense and you're only running it maybe 30 to 35 times and you promise 20 of those carries, 20-plus of those carries to David Montgomery. It's a numbers game. So when he uses Damian Williams, when he uses Khalil Herbert, when he uses Tariq Cohen, when he's healthy, is key. You know, he had this problem with Cordero Patterson, using him in spots that weren't smart. He's a weapon, sure. But then when you use him on third and one and you pitch it to the short side of the field, you don't know where when to use him. So I am nervous about Matt having all these tools and knowing when to use them correctly. It's almost as if Matt would be better off if it was just David Montgomery in in the running back room. So we had no choice but to play him. But it is up to Matt to understand when to use these guys correctly. That's his job. And if he can't figure that out, eventually he'll be shown the door. Maybe not this year, but the hot seat will get turned up. So it's a good problem to have for most teams when you have this many talented running backs in the room, but for Matt, a good problem to have sometimes is a double-edged sword, a bit of a conundrum because again, he has trouble situationally knowing the right time to use which guy. So we'll see how it all shakes out, but it's better than I guess having four crappy running backs in the room. That's true. That's true. Um, Tommy sent me a few questions. Obviously, if you're watching live, you, you, uh, don't see him here, but uh, 
He wanted to ask you, Greg, about the development of Cole Komet and his being paired with Jesse James and Jimmy Graham. I, Jesse James obviously had the touchdown yesterday. Cole Komet, he, he had a, I think he had one or two catches. No, he tried to hurdle someone. That didn't work out yeah. very well. <laughs> he, got, but, uh, he got smacked for that one. <laughs> I, I'm Me personally, I'm looking for a big year from Cole Komet. I feel like they're finally gonna like let him loose. He might be more of the possession guy, and then you still use Graham more in the in the red zone. But um, what are what are your thoughts on this tight end tandem? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jimmy Graham, we all know what he can do. Certainly a red zone target um, guy that led the team, I think, in touchdowns last year. But Cole Komet is budding. Is he George Kittle? I don't know about that. But <laughs> is he a bust? Certainly not. He's a player. You know, a guy that can make plays in this offense. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do and build off of his finish to last season where he really started to make some strides. So I think Bears fans should be excited about Cole Komet. It was funny when he tried that hurdle in the post-game show or in the post-game presser with Matt Nagy. He goes, you know, Cole, Cole thinks he's an athlete, and everyone started <laughs> laughing. Well, that's good. He's got that right mentality that he thinks he can jump over that guy, even though he quite couldn't. But, uh, yeah. you know, I think he can make plays. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because, you know, Jimmy's more the featured guy in the red zone. But big target, can make plays, you know, came from Notre Dame, tight end you. So I'm True. I'm excited to see how he'll build off of here in year two. Jesse James, great pickup, big target. Him and Justin Fields have already developed a rapport. Saw the touchdown yesterday. Obviously, he's wide open. That play they actually ran at training camp, and it worked the exact same way. So they knew that was coming. And I like that they're building off of that. But more so with Jesse James, you're seeing a lot of keyhole throws with Justin Fields, especially early on in camp. You weren't seeing as much of the aerial assault deep ball throws. You were seeing a lot of the intermediate over the middle throws from Justin Fields, fitting them in very tight windows, showing off his arm strength. And a lot of those throws were to Jesse James and he would come down with the catch in traffic, tough catches. Seems like he's got good hands. And that's what I mean. At times, even yesterday where Justin almost threw a pick, he was kind of locked into Jesse and that's because he trusts him. You know, because that's who he's playing with. He's not really throwing. Justin Fields hasn't really thrown to Cole Komet or Jimmy yeah. Graham all that much. A few times, but not many. Mostly working with Jesse James. So that's a relationship that's vital to develop. That's why I encourage Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to consider more first-team reps for the kid. But until then, he's building a relationship with Jesse James that I think will be fruitful when the season comes around. Yeah, no, I completely agree, man. I, and it's... It's nice to have multiple guys at that position because I, I think at this point, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like losing Anthony Miller and I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of Daz Newsome right away. Like I think utilizing those tight ends, you know, for the first five, six games of the season, I think will will be beneficial for whoever is that quarterback. 100%. And it's a safe, it's a safety valve. You know, right, right. and if they're going to run their offense, another guy I spoke with was Juan Castillo, uh, the offensive line coach. And he was telling me that they felt like they found something at the end of last year with the way they wanted to run their offense. Well, if that's the case, like you said about Justin Fields, rolling him out, playing in shotgun, you know, doing these flood concepts, so to speak. So you're doing a play action. Everybody follows David Montgomery. And then you got that tight end flooding, flooding off the backside. You saw that with the touchdown. You know, yeah. where he came across the middle and then curled his way up. 
you know, that's the kind of stuff you're going to need. And so, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of throws to the tight end. Jimmy Graham, you know, doesn't have all that much speed. Guys can close on him quick. That's why he's going to be more of a red zone option. So, yeah, a guy like Cole Komet could feast this year as long as everything's running smoothly on the offensive side of the ball. And then I think Jesse James, when they get into two tight end sets, will be that second tight end. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, anything else uh, from uh, from yesterday's game you want to mention, man? Because uh, there was a lot of good stuff. It was, it's like, I don't know, man. I just for the last couple of years, I just feel like I've been as pessimistic as any Bears fan, and I don't know this this year in tra- in, in camp so far, it, it hasn't felt like that, and it's kind of a breath of fresh air considering my favorite baseball team is ass right now. Well, defensively, uh, Tonga, this late round pick, defensive mm-hmm. tackle they picked up, he's a player. I yeah. saw him walking into the tunnel, uh, pregame warmups. His calves are as big as our heads. Like yeah. literally, they're like two. Alec big Ogletree heads. also looked really good yesterday. Yeah, and on the play where they had that third down stuff on the goal line, mm-hmm. Tonga flattens his guy at the line of scrimmage, who was supposed to get Alec Ogletree in the second level, and Alec Ogletree's then knifing through the defense and making a tackle for loss behind the line of scrimmage to keep them from scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Big time pickup at Al Tree. He had six interceptions in the first four days of practice, and he's had some interceptions against the Bears here recently, playing with the New York Giants. So he's good in coverage. You saw him, you know, knife through the defense on that goal line stand. So yeah. you know, a guy that can be trusted, help with the depth at the linebacking core. Danny Trevathan, great player, heart and soul of the defense, just like an Akeem Hicks. But those guys are getting longer in the tooth. You want to try to give them as much much depth as you can so you can spread their snaps out so they can play a full 16 games. And so Tonga will help out a guy like Akeem Hicks. And, you know, you've got, um, you know, Alec Ogletree helping out a guy like uh, Danny Trevathan. So those are both big-time positives. You know, I think the biggest concerns right now, obviously offensive line getting that set, Jason Peters might help get that in the right direction, even though he's 39 years old. He was solid last year. So I like that pickup. And then he's certainly a veteran that knows what he's doing with a big-time resume. And then the cornerback on defense, that's the other half of this equation. Those are the two areas of concern that the Bears got to bolster down. Everywhere else, dare I say, they've got some pretty quality depth everywhere else, and I'm very excited to see this. Uh, You know, a guy on the defensive line, Travis Gibson. This dude looks like he's, you know – Bilal Nichols looks like he's going to have a breakout year on the NFL level. Like everybody in Chicago knows who Bilal Nichols is, but nobody nationwide does. Mm, I think that there's a potential that Bilal Nichols will start being known everywhere this year. That's how good he's looked at camp. And then this Travis Gibson on a lesser scale is certainly an interesting guy. This guy, big time competitor, shows a lot of fire and passion. Uh, One point at camp last week, he was like letting out this joker laugh like five snaps in a row because he was beating the right tackle like a drum. And I just enjoyed the intensity coming from him. He's literally like, ah, like he laughing at the sideline coaches, you know, evaluating the play. And so yeah. he was feeling himself a bit. And so I'm excited to see what a guy like Travis Gibson can do as well. So, so, and he had a few nice tackles on run game, run stoppage, and he didn't get to the quarterback, I don't think, for any sacks yesterday. But those are certainly some of the things I'm looking at. Um, 
you know, and then I guess the other thing that stands out to me as far as yesterday is a guy like Rodney Adams. You know, yeah. Javea Johnson didn't get a chance to show out. He's been showing out at camp. I was really rooting for He's from Gary, Indiana. I'm from – I grew up in Crown Point. I live in St. John. So, I root for man, anybody from the region I'm rooting for. Javea oh, yeah. Johnson is definitely falling that category. He didn't have anything of note yesterday, but Rodney Adams once again did. You saw it at Family Fest. He's done it at camp. Now you see it on the preseason stage. You know, I think Javon Wims and Riley Ridley are in big trouble. They started bringing in some of these other wide receivers, Lacey, uh, you know, Hardy, uh, Rodney Adams, Javea Johnson. You know, not all these guys are going to make the team. Maybe a couple will make the practice squad. But Riley Ridley and Javon Wims' time is starting to run out. Javon Wims had that false start at the in the first half. With, I mean, I yelled, cut him when that happened. Like, I hate doing <laughs> so that. So did I from my, in front of my you know, TV. These, I, you know, and I'm a guy that roots for all these. Days. I used to be Josh Bellamy's biggest fan at camp because I can appreciate the guys at the back end of the roster fighting for their livelihood, fighting for their jobs. You know, the first team guys, they're just getting ready for the season. Guys like Rodney Adams and even a Javon Wims, who people are down on right now, especially after his fight last year. These guys are fighting for their livelihood, for the food on their plate, so to speak. I know they make big money, but it's the truth. And so I can appreciate guys, you know, like that, that have to go out here with that kind of pressure. Imagine, you know, me as a bricklayer, if I had to go out to work and my job was on the line that day to be better than the kid across from me, or I'm losing my job that day, you know, and that's what they're up against every day going out and playing this game. So you know, I hate saying that stuff about, you know, I'll cut them, but it's the truth. You, you know, it's money on the table time and you get out there, you've had very limited opportunities the last few years to show your talent. And then you have a false start. That's not going to help your case. And guys like Rodney Adams are going to slip through the cracks and take your job. And and you're seeing some big time plays from a guy like him. So those are some of the things I, I, I saw that, that I earmarked from yesterday. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that second quarter when fields came in, like, I feel like, a lot of the the drives, the first couple of drives he was on, the penalties really hurt because didn't it remind of, you of the yeah. last couple of years? Yeah, it really was. It was like, where have I seen this before? Like in the most yep. sarcastic voice ever. You know what I mean? Thousand like, percent. Yeah, they, so they, he, they were Murphy's law for the last two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it, the quarterback play wasn't good enough, but then the offensive line wouldn't block on one play. A receiver would drop a pass on the next play, and then there'd be penalties, and then another yeah. penalty, and another and, penalty. And that kind of stuff is the reason why I wouldn't always blame everything on Mitch Trubisky. Oh, you and, truther, you. <laughs> That's what you saying. get when you say those things. You're, you're right. You're, you're casting a truther, which I always thought was so silly and toxic <laughs> because – Let's just have a roundabout discussion about things that are actually happening across the board. If you're just going to pin everything on the quarterback, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because it is a team sport and the entire team or offensively was failing. So, yeah, when those things were happening in the first half, very disconcerting, but they seem to have righted the ship, obviously, against second and third string defenses, but uh, encouraging to see that. Let's see them take that into next week. For sure. Yeah. Last year I would like, I was so back and forth, man. Like, and I, and I was just so over it. I, at the end of the year, I was just exhausted, very exhausted from it all. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but, um, I'm just hoping for brighter days ahead, man. I think that's all we can ask for. Um, oh, they're I'm coming, very, baby. I'm, they're I'm coming. very excited. I'm very excited about the rest of the preseason. Probably the most excited for preseason I've ever been. I don't even think I was this excited when Mitch was like 
you know, in his rookie season. Because no, I knew like the not. team this wasn't This is a good. totally different echelon of talent. Justin mm-hmm. Fields comes from Ohio State. Won, you know, been to national championships. You know, as a guy in the chat says, you know, and I agree with him, Justin Fields is a gamer, you know, and yeah. you saw that on full display yesterday. It's a totally different excitement level. With Mitch, it was like, man, I hope this works out. There's more of a, and we don't want to jinx it as Bears fans because we do always get ahead of ourselves, but it feels like sure. we know this is going to work out. And sometimes when you're a Cub fan, you know how it is. You know it when you see it. And yeah. one day it's your turn. And one day Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant and 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 uh, Javi Baez walk through that door. And after all the misery of years of, of losing and frustration, you just knew that those guys were the ones they were, it yeah. felt right. And it it's, it's hard not to feel that exact same way about Justin Fields. It just feels right. Yeah, no, you're right, man. And I think that's a good way to end it. Cause I don't want to really talk about how the Cubs have just really broken <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> uh, well, Baker's Mark club tickets will be cheap in September. You'll, maybe we can go to one of those games. And I, I in play them. as much as I don't want to give Tom Ricketts any of my, any more money, any more of my money, I will probably be out in those left field bleachers at some point here. No, man, we got to do the Makers Mark Club. Is if you want to get them back, go over. Have you ever been in any of the clubs? Nineteen oh eight Makers Mark or W Club? I've been in the Catalina Club and I've been in the nineteen fourteen Club. Nineteen fourteen is a nineteen oh eight. Nineteen fourteen Club is amazing. So Makers Mark Club's on the first baseline, and it's like a mini version of the nineteen fourteen Club. Uh, you know, W Club is on the third baseline, but they only sell beer, so I'll never go in there because I'm a whiskey drinker only. Okay. But the Makers Mark Club is just like 1914 Club, but a little smaller, uh-huh. and that's how we'll get time back. We'll go, uh, okay. and the tickets will only be like 30 bucks because nobody wants to go anymore. And yeah. we will literally drink them out of the house, <laughs> we'll eat all of their food. We'll bring plates out to other people that aren't even in there. We'll throw the popcorn to other people, and we'll we'll make them eat that bill and, yeah. and, and make up the money, and then that's some. a good idea. That's, that's what like we'll that. do. I'm gonna plan on this. We're gonna figure this out before the end of September call-ups, baby. Hell yeah! All right, man. Well, again, uh, thanks for joining me today, man. Uh, if you, any anything you want to promote before I let you go. Oh shit. You know, I'm always, uh, self-promoting one way or the other, you know, follow me on Braggs in the stands, search Braggs in the stands on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. You know, I do a majority of my coverage on Twitter. Um, but I, you know, do live shows. They're not always schedule oriented. I just kind of do them when I can, or when the guests have their best availability, but, uh, we're always doing a lot of fun stuff. Follow me on my personal account on Twitter at G Braggs junior 23. And I'm always looking to have fun conversation with fans and meet new people. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, I appreciate you having me on. I'm always happy to come on anytime. I got to bring you on my show here at some yeah. point, maybe for a bears post game show uh, sure. you can pop on and we'll do some live reaction or something of that nature. But you know, I do owe you and buzz uh, you know, a tailgate day. Cause I promised buzz that I would hang out with them at the South lot at a bears game. And I'm always just so busy and I go in, right when the gates open. So my tailgating time is very limited. And then I go in, like I I'm in line at nine 45 for a noon kickoff. You know, most people tailgate right until 11 55 and then they go in as soon as kickoff is. So, you know, I feel bad because I haven't met a lot of the on tap crew and you guys seem like a really fun bunch. I enjoy a lot of the content you guys put out there 
And so I owe you for sure. And, and Buzz, Buzz has always been a great guy to me and, and many others there over at OnTap. I want to hang out with you guys here real soon. So we got to get that done. For sure. I'm sure there's going to be a big giant tailgate uh, on the south side too. Uh, yeah, for Cubs, nice. got to do for one for Cubs socks. Yeah, and then me and you can run around ripping up those L flags. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all for it. I mean, I don't. I'm one of those people who doesn't get up for that rivalry, but I mean, for a day, I guess I could do it. So yeah. All right. Well, that <laughs> sounds good, man. Again, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, always fun to chop it up with you. And I'll tell you this much: if the Bears win the Super Bowl. At any point with Justin Fields, I'll even leave it off of this just this year because that's, you know, a, a real home run shot, you know, Hail Mary, yeah. if we're going to do a football analogy. But if the Bears ever win the Super Bowl with Justin Fields, I will come on your show and drink an entire <laughs> bottle of mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm going to clip this and it will be used. If it's I'll not do this it. year or next year, I, this is going to be saved, Greg. This is going to be saved. <laughs> oh, no. I might have set myself up because it's going to happen. But I swear to God I'll do it because, you know, I was lucky enough to see Michael Jordan win six NBA championships, watch every dribble of his. You know, it was my childhood. It's the reason I'm a fanatical Chicago sports fan that I am. I was raised by Michael Jeffrey Jordan, and I was lucky to have seen him play. Got to see the Cubs win a World Series, you know, and, you know, the final piece, I'm not much of a hockey guy, but my final piece is the Chicago Bears. I was only two months old when they won the Super Bowl, so that doesn't really count for me. And I've been waiting and waiting. It broke my heart when Devin Hester was never able to raise that – Lombardi trophy. So if the Bears can ever get it done, I'll happily come on here and drink a bottle of mayonnaise. <laughs> I, I'm again I'm I'm gonna remember this. So uh <laughs> that that's awesome, man. I, I hope so too. Uh the Bears are like the last team I for me as well. I mean, I was a very young kid when when Jordan was uh dominating the NBA. Um, but I, you know, I, I never thought the Cubs would win the world series and then they did. So now it's like, all right, well, if the Cubs can do this and, you know, maybe the bears can, exactly. can, can do this as well. Long so. averages. And when you're young, you got a real shot, you know, we're still yeah. young. We're so, still young. you know, but I'll never forget being a Cub fan in 2003 and, and watching this old lady, I went to game seven of the NLCS, the game after Bartman and the Cubs didn't win. And this old lady was bawling her eyes out. She had to been like 90 years old. And she did not see the Cubs win the World Series. I can, I'm fairly certain in 2016 yeah. she was no longer around. And, you know, I, I think about fans like that a lot when my teams win it. You know, it, it mm -hmm. is, you know, we're not Boston. We don't, we not spoil yeah. the riches with championships, little Very kids true. with banners of all the different championship parades they've been able to be attending. We, ours are very few and far between. So you cherish those moments. And, and yeah, so we, you know, we got our last piece is the Chicago Bears and, you know, we still got time on our side, but maybe it's going to happen sooner rather than later now that one Justin Fields is in the fold. So I'm excited to see it happen. That's for damn sure. For sure. Now it's a good way to end it, man. Again, thanks for joining the show um, and uh, looking forward to uh, watching the Bears this upcoming year, man. Let's get it, man. Bear down. And thanks to Greg for coming on the show. Uh, great guy. Go follow him on Twitter and go follow uh, his uh, his uh, his uh, show, Brags in the Stands. Uh, I have tuned in a little bit. He's he's a good guy and he he cares about uh, people on 
uh, Chicago sports Twitter, and he's not just someone out there looking for clout. So uh, I can always respect that. Um, lots of good bear stuff, man. I, I can't lie. Good stuff. Switching it to the UC, though, the Chicago Bulls playing summer league. The summer league started this week. I'm not going to lie. I placed a bet for the first time in a while because I told myself I was done betting on baseball. I placed a bet on the Bulls to win their first summer league game. And I lost. And now I have not placed any bets since. I'm just trying to get to football season. That's where I thrive, or at least I feel like I thrive. Um, But uh, the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Bulls, they might be the best teams this coming winter, man. Uh, They might be because the Bulls, um, I don't really have too much to say, but in summer league, they have shown some, some of their guys have shown some flashes. Uh, Marco Simonovic has been very fun to watch, watching highlights of him. Ayo Desumu looks good in a Bulls jersey. Uh, everyone knew that was going to be be a fit. Um, Devon Dotson has been nice. Um, am I missing someone? Patrick Williams. That's who I'm missing. He looks phenomenal. He looks like someone who has been working on his game, and I'm very excited to see what he does next year after what I've seen in summer league so far. I'm telling you guys, the Bulls could be taken to another level. When we talked to Big Dave last week, I told him, I was like, you know, I think the Bulls could be a three seed. You know, if Patrick Williams, you know, takes another step and now he's playing with actually good basketball players, he's taken that Kawhi type route. He could, I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to reach Kawhi level because Kawhi is quite literally a top five player in basketball, but he is, he looks to be in route to that type of player. And, uh, it's going to be fun to watch next year. That's uh, that's all I can really say. Uh, that's all I can really hope for, honestly. Um, but, you know, it'll be year two. I'm not, he's going to be like the fourth option, right? It's going to be Zach, Lonzo, Bucevic, DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> and Patrick Williams. Like, he could be the fifth option. I don't know. So, um, should be a lot of fun. Summer League has been fun, though. Um, I don't really have much else on it. It's just um, – we just seen a lot of positive growth, man. And I think Patrick Williams has been the one that's really stood out for the Bulls. Simonovic has shown some, some nice uh, tools. Um, looks like a guy who can probably play in the NBA. Um, I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm holding out, you know, waiting for the regular season, see how the Bulls use them. Obviously they still need a big man. Um, but until they do that, um, I'm interested to see how they utilize him in the rotation next year or in this coming season, whatever you want to call it. So <clears throat> anyway, that's really all I have on the bulls. It's, it's weird because I'm the only one sitting here. I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what Tommy thinks, but he's not here. So that sucks. But um, anyway, uh, it's been a long one. So let's just get to the end of the show segments. That's cool and tough, lame and weak and shadow realm. And uh, what that means that my cool and tough this week is, Britney Spears, free Britney is actually, she's finally free. Uh, Jamie Spears uh, has agreed to step down as the head of her conservatorship. I think that's how you say it. Um, Sounds like it's not really official, but it's becoming official. Um, Negotiating terms of him stepping down. Uh, I don't know what the negotiating terms, it it means he's stepping down because he doesn't want to deal with the public a backlash that he's probably been getting for like the last year or two. Um, I, 
it's cool and tough because it's a step in the right direction, but it's also kind of lame and weak because like he doesn't want to do this, but he just doesn't want to deal with the public bashing anymore. And apparently all these unjustified of accusations of him. I don't fucking know because I don't know the story in full, but fuck the free Britney movement worked, brother. It fucking worked when the Internet does wonders. The the Internet is fucking toxic and terrible, like 69 percent of the time. Nice. But like the other half of it is like it does some good. So I think that that is a good thing. I have another cool and tough. Uh, my other cool and tough is Jay Cutler has come to Twitter. Um, and uh, I, I, let's just be real. If you're on Twitter or if you're on social media and you follow Jay Cutler, this is Jay Cutler's brand. It's outdoors. It's chickens. It's uh, his meat business. <laughs> and he's clearly an anti-vaxxer. Um, the reason it's cool and tough is because I love the don't care Jay Cutler brand. Um, The way he tweets, it's very on brand to his don't care uh, mantra. And I'm absolutely 100% here. You will see me replying to all his tweets uh, with Jay Cutler gifts or uh, screen grabs that I have in my phone. I I should have a folder of them. I don't. I should. Um, And it's absolute travesty that I I don't. But it is what it is. you know, again, you might think it's lame and weak because he has been very, I mean, he's, he's going to run for school board in Tennessee, I guess, because the school's making kids wear masks, whatever. I, I hate our society folks. I fucking hate our society, but we are where we are in the year of our Lord, 2021. And if Jay Keller wants to run for school board, because he thinks that the other school, the school board that his kids go to is fucking stupid because they're making their kids wear masks, then fine, whatever. All I'm saying is I'm vaccinated. I don't understand why we have to wear masks anymore either, but this Delta variant bullshit is fucking, it all comes, all kind of comes back to the anti-vaxxers in general. So whatever, that's all I really have to say on it. I'm not getting into the politics of it, but Jay Cutler himself, Jay Cutler, the man and his brand of just the don't care mantra. Very cool and tough. Always has been. If you listen to the show since day one, you know that we love Jay Cutler on this podcast. So, uh, shout out to him for coming on Twitter because at least that's more entertainment for me. Um, my layman week. Um, <laughs> I don't know why she's not in my fucking shadow room. She's been in the shadow room for fucking forever. And that's Julie fucking DeCaro. Uh, guys, anyone remember when she like replied to one of my viral tweets over the last like three months? I think I tweeted about uh, the five reasons why uh, the Cubs are in a position that they were in at the time is before they sold off everyone. Um, and I named ass and Russell one. And I linked an article that I wrote about him and why he's a reason. And then the way she like replied to it saying that the, what I said about him was way off or whatever. And like, whatever. I don't even fucking care this. I don't hate people in media. I genuinely don't hate them. I just think that some need to be held accountable. And she is someone who literally just says things to say things to cause a ruckus. Like, I don't even know if the, if she genuinely believes this shit, she just loves the attention. It feels like sometimes. And in this instance, uh, so barstool sports is, I guess they're in talks. It's not official, but they're in talks to start uh, showing MLB games. I would assume maybe next year, uh, I guess either on their website or YouTube or whatever. It's basically a streaming partnership uh, with major league baseball and Julie DeCaro like tweeted something saying that, you know, I was tired of MLB anyway or something. And then I don't know. She just, 
she always has to make something look so fucking bad when the MLB, honestly, like partnering with Barstool to try to get the younger generation, like kind of makes sense, you know, like it, it kind of makes sense. Um, the reputation around Barstool is always going to be there in terms of like some of the, I guess, bad apples that have come through there. I know Dave Portnoy is kind of controversial, uh, has become more controversial over the last year, but this lady, she just, she just thinks anyone who supports them or is who works there is just the worst person in the goddamn world. And that's just not true. She's saying a lot of people are really fucking bad if you have if you support anything that's related to Barstool Sports, and that's fucking that's 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 a lot of people you're calling bad, Julie. It's a lot of people you're calling bad. Um, as far as like Barstool and MLB partnering up again makes it makes sense because they're trying to reach a younger generation. Like Major League Baseball, they knows they need to keep they need to get back in with the younger generations, and Barstool obviously attracts a lot of younger people. Like not just college students anymore, like other like they they like they're fucking huge on TikTok. All the fucking teenagers are on fucking TikTok, like that kind of shit. Um, so it's lame and weak just because it's like another fucking thing for her to bitch about. So I'm sure she wrote some dead spilling article about it too. I didn't even look for it. I mute her on Twitter. So I didn't even when she replied to my tweet like months ago. And when I say months ago, I literally mean like last month. Uh, I didn't even realize it until like someone like told me <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, this found her. Huh? Maybe someone will send this to her. I don't even give a shit. I really don't. I think she is the worst person in media. I think she is an absolute disgrace to women in media. I think she is quite literally the worst person in sports media in general. And she is taking up a spot for someone who is more deserving. Someone clip that and send it to her. Please and thanks. All right. And uh, with that said, <laughs> I, I have to move on to my shadow robo of the weekend. It's kind of related to just the COVID vaccine and all that bullshit. But honestly, it's just giving me a lot of fucking anxiety, uh, annoyance, and just plain fucking like I'm fucking over it. I think we're all fucking over it. Right. Like, I feel like we have the right to just be over all of it. Like the government told us to get the vaccine. I got the vaccine. I shouldn't have to go into places with a fucking mask on now. Like, I feel like everyone who's vaccinated has the right to feel that way. Right. I would hope that everyone feels like they have the right to say that. And honestly, like, I don't even feel bad for voicing it. And no one should because I complied. I did what the government wanted me to do. So I can fucking go places and live my life but my shower realm of the week is fucking aubrey huff who got suspended on twitter if you again if you are a fan of this show you know that we fucking love to make fun of aubrey huff and his fucking ego and just how fucking dumb he is on twitter um he got suspended on twitter i just googled why and apparently twitter said he's they suspended huff for his repeated violations of its covid19 misleading information policy uh, where he apparently he suggested that the COVID-19 vaccine makes people more sick. Uh, the vaccine has proven to dramatically reduce the likelihood of severe illness. Uh, you think? Yeah. I mean, Aubrey Huff, 
he would have really thrived in the years of like 1970 to like 1998, I feel. Um, I genuinely wonder what his teammates that he played with the Giants, like what they think of him these days. Like, like, didn't he had he had to have played with Buster Posey and he had to have played with Brandon Crawford, I'm pretty sure. I'm I I have to go back and look at the rosters. I'm not sure. Like there has to be some guys on the current team that played with Aubrey Huff because he won the World Series with the Giants in 2010. And some of those guys are on that team. At, at least Buster Posey was. I don't know about Brandon Car- Crawford. I'm pretty sure he was, though. But uh Aubrey Huff, I mean, we have just this guy has been in the shower room for a long time, but it's always it's always fun to pull him out and give him a nice little tease and then throw him back in for being a complete cuck. Um, <laughs> he's the reason, honestly, that like a lot of people aren't fucking vaccinated. Am I right? When you have a giant following, say I have 20,000 followers on Twitter. Say I do. And I start tweeting, uh, the earth is flat like every fucking day and come up with reasons why I think that and tweet them out and next thing you know, all 20,000 of my followers or half of them or whatever start thinking that the earth is flat. So then like a whole cult of earth flat, earth is flat people come together that I started. Like that is what Aubrey Huff has done with just anything related to like just being, he, he, he sells merch that is all about just like, putting down anything about male masculinity, uh, you know, fucking anything to do with women being in power. <laughs> he, he, t- he tweets about that kind of shit. I mean, honestly, that's probably the worst shit that he's ever tweeted. Um, everything to do with fucking vaccine. I mean, this guy, this guy would suck Donald Trump's dick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, again, it's okay. Like, I don't know how to say it. All I know is that if you got the vaccine, I feel like you have the right to be pissed off because people like Aubrey Huff are spreading misinformation and people aren't getting vaccinated. And now the governments all across the country are making people put a mask on to go back into places again. And honestly, it is the most annoying thing. It really is. I'm sorry if that offends because I'm just, I did what I was supposed to do. And now, I, 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 apparently I have to, I went into a GameStop today and I had to wear a mask and you know what? I do it. I don't go in there and bitch about it. They're just doing their jobs. They're doing what they're told. I'm going to do what I'm told just because I'm not some fucking Karen who's going to go in and bitch about it. Or I guess since I'm a male, maybe it would be like, like a Doug. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Um, anyway. That's uh, that's my shower on the week. So that's the show, folks. Hope everyone enjoyed today's show, even though it was just me. Uh, shout out to Josh for always jumping on every week to talk some White Sox. And shout out to Greg Braggs for coming on the show as well. Always good times talking sports with all of you. Thank you for following along. Episode 101 in the books. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody on Tap. And we're brought to you by ontapsportsnet.com. We are the full Chicago sports podcast on the network. Um, so that's what makes us a little bit more unique. Um, I'm sorry that it just doesn't say on tap in the show, but we just weren't going to change the name. So anyway, um, yeah, follow podcast at Sky's Fine Pod and the Sky's Fine Pod on Instagram. 
yeah, I think I got it all. Um, we'll be, be back next week. Bears preseason game coming up. White Sox are playing well. If you're a Cubs fan like me, maybe bet on it to feel better. I don't know. I'm not betting because I'm on such a cold streak. Um, uh, the Bulls uh, summer league. If you're a White Sox fan, you're you're living life right now. You're living life. You're feeling good, feeling great. If you're a Bears fan, like I am, we we like everyone listening. I hope we need Week One, man. I'm interested to see who's going to be starting. So while baseball season for us Cubs fans is very unfortunate, I think good things are coming. I think the winner is going to be a good one. The first good one. Potentially, at least two of the three teams are going to be. Maybe all three. We'll see. The Inbox Blackhawks today is not a lot of news. Right now, so. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to go ahead and hit the music. Thank you.